season's greetings once again. Glad tidings, glad tidings to you and indeed to your respective kings. This is the Bitchin' Brew podcast and I, as I am almost every episode, am Danny Randon and I will be your host. We are coming to you on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Acast and this is episode number 14.5 or episode 14 uh, part two of our albums of 2017 special it's the last episode of the year uh it's over two hours long and i'm joined once again by uh dan fisher from the band guillotine uh obviously this being the second part if you haven't gone back and listened to the first part yet it's now available to listen to on all those aforementioned platforms uh, i'll leave a link in the description but uh, in the first episode we uh, took a look at our honorable mentions for the list the ones that didn't quite make the top 10 and we counted down from number 10 to number five uh, number six sorry um this week we're starting from number five and we're counting down as you may predict to number one uh, the top album of the year for each of us and uh, for the first time this year we're going to be handing out some bitch and bonus awards as well uh, for EP of the year, gig of the year, record label of the year, song of the year and finally band of the year. So I'll keep the intro for this fairly brief but uh, I'll see you on the other side of this one and enjoy part two of bitch and brews albums of 2017 special. <laughs> um so my number, f- so we're into number five territory now. Okay, this, this is it. This is the the meaty. Well, it's already been a pretty good top ten. It's been a pretty damn good top ten. <laughs> but I feel like now we are getting into the real big hitters territory. We've, we've, had, we've had some sadness. We've had some beat downs. Yeah. Some- <laughs> now I think we're getting into the real stunners, stone cold stunners. Oh yeah. Um. There we go. Another wrestling reference. I'm going to start a tally soon. It's great. <laughs> Smirnoff, what have you done to me? Um, Brings out the best in me. My number five record is a real eureka moment for a band. I've been wanting to have their eureka moment for a long, long time. It's another band that I've been really fed up of seeing them just be second best to bands that are not doing it as well, but are getting more uh, recognition for it. My number five record is Melancholia Hymns by Arcane Roots. Yes, okay. This record, for lack of a less wanky phrase, is a real journey. Um, yeah. yeah. I was really intrigued to see what they were going to do when they brought out that EP. And then I can't remember where, where they went with that. If that followed up to, that was a follow up to a record. The one that had. Um, yeah, so it had Blood. They did Blood and Chemistry, the yes. debut album, which came out in 2012, may have been 2013. Um, yeah, it's 2013. Then they did the EP. And then I... It's the one that has... Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the song. It's got that riff at the end of it. It's the uh, If Nothing... If Nothing Breaks, Nothing Moves. Yeah. I think that's the name of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember first hearing that and being like, oh, wow, this band... I was really into... Was it Left Fire they did? Yeah. So, so when I first heard that, I lost my mind at how good this band were. And then they brought out that Blood and Chemistry record. And I just... I kind of lost interest for a bit. I was fairly I, interested I by Blood and Chemistry. I tried to listen to it, and it, it when that you could see why they were supporting Muse. Yes, yeah. But as someone who will continue to state that Muse are the worst thing to happen to music, <laughs> are you really that bad on Muse? Like, like you don't. I like just, them? I just don't get it. I just don't understand. They're all exceptional musicians playing the most mediocre of songs. And I don't yeah, get been it. Fairly it's mediocre just... for about a decade. Yeah, now. like Origin of Symmetry was just incredible, and like some of the 
I remember someone playing me some of the B-sides for this, like the Hullabaloo B-sides. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And I was like, some of these songs are incredible. Why are you releasing Knights of Sidonia? This is embarrassing. Whoa, whoa, it's, whoa, no, whoa. No, 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 no. You cannot diss Knights of Sidonia like that, man. I can diss it further. I think it's one of the worst songs to come out in the last 10 years. Well, thank you for listening to the Bits and Brooms 2017 special. <laughs> right. You can cut it if you really don't like it. I just don't know what it is about that song. It's just a band. I would accept that from someone like Don Broco. You know, a band that are notoriously just on the nose. We're just playing fun songs. Sure. If that's what you're going to do. A band like Muse, when you've got someone that can hit those notes, play those guitar riffs, you know, all of them are just impeccable musicians. So why are they cheapening themselves to these gimmicky songs? Dig Down is a fairly good shot of being worst song of the year. I'll give you that. They've it been is. terrible for the last decade, but Origin of Symmetry, I don't think you can dislike Sidonia uh, in the way I'll, that you I'll just did. I'll continue to do it for the okay. rest of my life. Can we talk about how brilliant Arcane Roots are on this record, though? This is where I was getting from. Right. <laughs> so I kind of found, I could see why they were supporting them. They went for those really big choruses, those huge song structures. The instrumentation went just completely out the window just like as much as we can do and it felt like it was lacking still it was lacking the songwriting not not necessarily the writing but the the conviction and the performance of it mm. it just felt very stale and they brought out that EP with Nothing Breaks Nothing Moves and I was like this is the band I used to be excited about this is what I'm into and then they brought out is it Curtains was the first yes see this album had a it's been a long time coming yes and I think there were several sort of pushbacks that I think were kind of out of the band's control because Curtains came out like end of last year yeah and this record came out around August September time um like I said I think this is the real eureka moment for Arcane Roots because um it's a lot less I didn't want to use the word schizophrenic because I think that's maybe a bit insensitive but it's a lot less scattergun yeah you know um they've always been a little bit all over the place like keep you guessing but after I think after Left Fire, it kind of left you a little bit like this is tedious. Yeah. Like this is this is a cool idea, but it seems like you're doing it for the sake of messing with people rather yeah. than nothing was written for the song. It was written for the sake of doing something that, that, was, that was on the edge of mm-hmm. what you expected. And I think exactly as you say, this is the most controlled they've sound while still sounding exciting. And, and I think they reeled it in too much with blood and chemistry, yeah. and this is when they've really reached their peak again. And it sounds, you say self-contained, it sounds massive. Yes. Right? So they came around at a time when, like, it was the era of gent, when gent was a thing. You know, I think people more generally yeah. refer to it as tech metal now, but it was a real saturated market, and um, I think now they are making music which transcends metal transcends rock yeah. um it's nice to hear both sides of this record on the radio like daytime radio yeah it's a they've really broken through in a way that i didn't mm. think anyone expected them to There's but a, i'm very happy they yeah. have done because it is it is radio worthy songs that are being especially performed. songs like indigo yes um but then you've also got uh there's a song rather aptly titled everything all at once yeah um which just throws everything in the kitchen sink into the mix um it's sort of mushuggery tech metal yeah. like it's probably the most similar that arcane roots have sounded to anything they've done before uh but they've just you know 
multiplied it to the nth degree in terms of how massive it is. It is a more self-contained record, but it's almost got a sort of rock opera vibe. Yeah. Uh, with the orchestration, you know, it's got those very sort of... So, um, Andrew, the singer, actually learned the piano and the violin for this record. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and as if he wasn't talented enough already. Yeah, as if he wasn't already an amazing guitarist and singer. Yeah, Um, okay. But uh, you can see some of this being really beneficial. I think the this opening track, um, how sort of interstellar it is. I can't think of any like stratospheric. Kind of reminds me a lot of what Enter Shikari have been doing on these last two albums. Um, it's that blend of genres that is now it seems less subtle as a obviously when Enter Shikari first started and when Arcane Roots first started out it's very much uh, an in your face it's supposed to be jarring it's supposed mm-hmm. to be the blend of those two but not really blended they're just there together yeah whereas this is now a very like this is the mounting pot like this is they've actually made something now that makes sense of those ideas that they had and mm-hmm. as much as I was like I said a huge Left Fire fan I remember they came out with that that cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit. That's the first time I heard them. Is one of the most you you don't cover that song. Yeah. You just don't. There's just no don't do it. There's no way you cover that song and then they did it. I go, that's the only way you could ever cover that song. It's just unbelievably like make that song your own in a way that no one could have expected. Mm. And then yeah, just from then on, like if that band doesn't have your attention from that, I don't think they ever will. But yeah, I I think this this is this is the moment for them. Um, I I can't help but think how absolutely mind-bendingly brilliant this yeah. album is, and it just it's a real. It made me very excited to be a fan of theirs again because yes. I felt like not shortchanged, but blood and chemistry just was lacking in. I can't put my finger on it, but it just never felt like it reached that moment for mm. me. It was it was a good record, but it falls closer to average than it does great. If yeah. You know what I mean? It's, and that that opening song to Blood and Chemistry, where it just all of a sudden comes in with that bam 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 bam, and it's like, wow, you can do that. Great. What else can you do? Yeah. Um. Well, we we'd already been hearing that, and it's not as good. Whereas this time it opens and it's massive and it sort of builds you up for yeah uh, for the track that follows. Uh, I believe it's called. It's not off the floor. It's uh, got a, it's different different song. But um, I feel like they've just... they've learnt a whole new level of respect for the songs and mm. not just a this is a sick riff. Yeah. We should open with this riff. Don't open with the riff because no. you need you need people to to make it to that point. It needs to make sense in context with the song. And that's what this record has really set them apart from what they have been doing. Yeah. Is they're writing... St- I feel like they've been writing amazing parts to songs for a very long time and not necessarily writing good songs. And that sounds like like a, like a negative thing. I don't mean it. They've always been very enjoyable. But I feel like they maybe would write a couple of parts and the rest of the songs is to build up to that part. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is every... Every part of that record was very much every bit it builds to as is, is it as exciting as the last yes, and it just keeps you guessing as to where it's going to go and because they have that background it really does keep you guessing mm-hmm. they, you have no way of knowing on first listen which way they're going to go because you know they're capable of just throwing a riff in out of nowhere and they made it one of the most exciting first listens of the year and a really memorable record after that to keep going back to absolutely so yeah arcane roots um please be playing stadiums 
Yeah. <laughs> Not with Muse anymore. Please don't do that. <laughs> You've really got it out against Muse. I just, man, I just... Right, I'll leave it. Yeah. <laughs> right, your number five record. A number five record is probably I'm going to start showing my age. So this, if, I, if I'm right, so you were saying, obviously this is one of the crossover albums that... James also had on his Yeah, list. I was surprised by um, that one. And uh, and you were saying something about how uh, you're really going to enjoy how you can indulge your love for dad rock by talking about this <laughs> record. Uh, so, am I thinking about the same record? Yeah, so this is Prisoner by Ryan Adams. <laughs> right, okay. Which... <laughs> so, after having a lot of years out and then coming back with a self-titled album, I think maybe 2004, 2005... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when it was, but it was within like the last kind of three to four years kind of thing. And self-titled was from going from like his earlier kind of more country kind of inspired rock, yeah, and then kind of for me, I'm a huge fan of like a Heartbreaker, Love Is Hell, Easy Tiger, that kind of era of Ryan Adams. Right. Okay. But it never, I'm, it I'm never a little bit really... patchy on Ryan Adams, okay. so you have to excuse me. There's um there's a lot of years that have gone by obviously not releasing anything through illness and just lack of want I, I assume right but then coming back with his self-titled record really felt like a return to form yeah a lot and of this people were big on that record I yeah remember. the self-titled one was huge the singles were amazing and when I first heard Prisoner I'll admit I just thought this is B-Sides from Ryan Adams the self-titled record and it wasn't until I really sat with that record and realised just how intensely honest those records are it's a it's a record about divorce a very public divorce that he went through mm. and the, the metaphors used in it can come across as cheesy until you realize the way that they're performed on the songs and he's very much gone back to the country influences there mm. it always will be and so is that dad rock element <laughs> that i will continue to refer to right where there's bits in there of like the guitar solos on the opening track that sound like they could be in a White Snake song and just weird things <laughs> like that. But that opening song is almost where the, that kind of cringy dad rock kind of ends. And that feels like the end of the chapter of the self titled record. Right. And if anything, Prisoner starts with track two for me. And then from there onwards, it's just such a flawless journey through. It's somehow like these uh, really like lo-fi kind of country songs mixed with like a, a huge influence of the Smiths on like some of the lead guitars. Like you mm. can tell that it's like a Johnny Marr influenced record in the way he plays, akin to how he was playing on Love Is Hell, which is just a modern masterpiece as well. It's just it's a songwriting one hundred and one. There's no there's no thrills to it. Everything in there is written. It's just like this is a song and this is a great song, and yeah i don't really know how else to describe that record other than it is it's just songwriting at its most purest form there's no like what if you know there's no gimmicks there's no kazoo solo there's no you know there's, there's no drum fills necessarily there's no there's no real solo parts. Is, he, is he known for doing sort of more uh indulgent moments like that or not, is he, is he, he has of... done in the past but right. not to it sounds like you're waiting for those moments though I think this is the most stripped back he's left his songwriting in a long time and I think it's hugely benefited from that wow okay I think self-titled was stripped back in an element but I think that's the way it's written it's just big Mm. chords like whereas some of the earlier stuff like uh, the textures aren't there anymore the layers are there but in such a different and sparse way in the same way that I was talking about the Julian Baker record it's a masterclass in knowing when not to play yeah 
because I think it's more powerful than it, all of these songs. You could have added like another like ten guitar parts to each of them, and the fact that they're left bare, it, there's something really intimate about it. Mm. And I think that's why a lot of people are connecting to this record rather than say his earlier stuff, which I think people will then understand yeah. through that. But yeah, it's it's a really it's a pleasant and melancholy listen. It's just. Yeah. yeah, I've I've listened to this record a couple of times. Maybe not necessarily as as many times as I'd like to give it a real informed opinion. It's come around at a really nice time for me getting into uh, a lot of Americana yeah. kind of influence stuff. Uh, last year, I I discovered the Counting Crows and oh, dude, it's a great you, time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I must admit, I I should probably go back to this record another couple of times. It's pretty pretty beautiful from what I've heard. And yeah, I mean his voice like. He's recording everything himself, I believe. He has been for a long time, wow, but everything cool. is. Uh, that's he's got the Paxan Studio, right? Yeah, that's his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. Everything that he seems to do that comes from that is just exceptional and just on another level. And it's so. He's always had a great ethic for keeping the takes that are right for the song rather than yeah. what's right for the listener, and that's one thing that I've really picked up on his since Love Is Hell, where you have moments of his vocal breaking mid mid take and it's just still in there and it just mm. adds to it it's a very human record everything's recorded analog and you can tell it's yeah it's it's just a really beautiful record it's yeah it's, i i contemplate putting this a lot higher in my list but it's a difficult one to really throw out there like the influences range from from say like i say with the smiths to like rem to just they're, yeah. just they're all over the show and he's Heartland just Heartland rock kind yeah. of territory yeah there's like a huge like Nebraska Bruce Springsteen like kind of elements to some of the tracks yeah, as well yeah I get that it's it's just a real stripped back masterpiece mm. of a record and I just think it's for songwriters out there that are kind of like you know worried about like just leaving a song I know that's something that I've always struggled with if, if writing a song and you want to keep adding to it you go is this enough? And then you've got bands like Weezer that will come out with just three chords and we've we're gonna sell out an arena. Yeah. This is another one of those kind of guys who can have you hanging on every lyric, on every chord change, on everything, and there's just nothing there at the same time. It's so simplistic. Anyone could have written it, but no one did. It's it's just one of those albums that's just there. I'll be listening to that in another ten years time. Fantastic. Well I hope to go back to it a few more times as well. So that's Ryan Adams. Prisoner. With Prisoner. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Um, Lovely my stuff. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> I don't know if we actually captured this or if this was just during the mic test, but we we're doing some rather questionable impressions of Alan yeah, Partridge. Not, not great, but they're there. <laughs> it's one of the biggest stadium rock bands, REO Speedwagon. <laughs> right. I wish. I wish if they had released an album this year, I'd have put it in there just for that. <laughs> <laughs> my number four. Um, I can't help but not sound partridge now. Um, no, <laughs> my my number four. So this is another band actually, which kind of make me. Uh, I was very sort of lukewarm about this band, um, but then I saw it live uh, last year, um, just down the road at the wonderful weekend that is what the fest. Okay. And I felt so much raw emotion in Sorority Noise's performance. Yes. Um, were, were you there? I were was, you, yeah. yeah. Um, and it made me totally backtrack and eat a lot of humble pie. And so we arrive at their fantastic 
third album, I think it is. I think so. Yeah, third full-length album at least. Uh, You're not as blank as you think. Uh, We'll talk more about that title in a minute. Um, This perfectly encapsulates that emotionally purging alternative rock. Yes. In fact, I I think this is probably now one of my favourite albums of this time. It's the album with its, its finger on the pulse of the youth more than any album I think has come out this year. Yeah. I think it's really connected with a lot of people in a very positive way. And I think I was with you in the sense of I'd heard a lot of sorority noise and it wasn't until I went to go see them that I really understood what the hype was about. Mm. I thought it really much fell short on records prior to this. But then seeing those performances live, it really shone through as yeah. this is a this is an important band, not just for the youth, but for alternative music. Mm. I think they're really pushing it in a really great and positive yeah. way. And I think if a lot of people are sort of turned off from emo music because, uh, you know, it's in inverted commas whiny, you know, yeah. I, uh, I think this is a perfect record to sort of show them that it doesn't have to be that way. I think, um, you know, a record that I really think of that uh, I could compare this to uh, was a record that was in my top 10 of last year is that um, modern baseball record, Holy yeah. Ghost. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think the opening track, uh, No Halo, is an absolute it's a statement it's it really a sums real up the record real up heartbreaker and it really sort of sets the precedent for the album it's got kind of um almost post-punky um yeah. it almost reminds me rhythmically of the national which is a, i'm sure yeah. a band that we might talk about a little bit more in a bit um <laughs> <laughs> chin stroking more i, chin I would stroking. imagine so yeah. um, but then after that that seems like a very cool record but it's very sort of powerful and um yeah Uh, and hard-hitting all the same and then that element of the album comes to fruition on the following track uh, called A Portrait Of which uh, I can only describe as an absolute meltdown at the end with Cam's vocals so Cameron Mm. Boucher who is the sort of is the brainchild you know Sorority Guys is his brainchild he's sort of the core member of it as such but you know I think he's got a more solid lineup this time round it was sort of a changing lineup up until this point uh, I think I might be right in thinking, but uh, he just has this total. Um, I I can't think of any other way to describe it than just an absolute meltdown at the end of it, and he's just screaming. I, I saw this live again uh, when they did Slam Dunk Festival, mm. and the amount of conviction. I think this record has that perfect balance of poignancy and catchiness, because there are some really catchy carefree songs on this yeah, record sure. things like uh, where are you and um, a better son which if you don't know so much about the sorority noise story or if you aren't necessarily going through similar things i think you can just put on yeah. and it'd be really summary and really um definitely it almost has like a maybe like a, a more modern kind of saves the day kind of vibe to a yeah, lot of it, which yeah. i was i was a big fan of how how are you feeling about this record? Yeah, I loved it. It was um like I said, I think it was a huge step up from the last one. The last the last two say, I felt they were records that I was aware of and tried to get into, and just it was always around the same time like modern baseball and real friends were kind of coming out. And I find a lot of those to be quite hit and miss, mm-hmm. but when done well, is just incredible. And yeah, this to me is like you say with modern baseballs last year this is the same thing now for Sorority Noise. I think they've yeah. really hit the nail on the head with this record. 
Fantastic. It's, yeah. it's the record they've needed to write. And Absolutely. I'm really stoked that they did. And, and yeah. The build of the record as well. Uh, the I don't know if I consider the last song to be a last song more than a sort of epilogue as such, because mm. it is just sort of cam acoustically for about a minute and a half. But the, the song that precedes that, a song called Leave the Fan On, yeah. um, it just has a crescendo to it that is enough to make you weep. Mm. It's so powerful, but at the same time, I think very easily accessible. And once uh, you fall in love with this album, I think, you know, you, you're not going back. Um, I'd be interested if I actually go back and listen to the previous Sorority Noise records. I think this off, one would probably help me appreciate those a lot more because I think it's it's. But I've I've not gone back there yet. Yeah, me neither. They did play a lot of um, a lot of new stuff at Slam Dunk, but they played some old stuff as well. They played like Using, which was one yeah. of the highlights of the previous record. So um, I'd be interested to go back and see whether I have a better personal connection with Sorority Noise from this point because this album. Uh, you're not as blank as you think, and the fact that he he sort of um, later uh, uh, later on in the year uh, released a two-track EP of acoustic cuts that mm. didn't make the record, uh, simply called Alone, and fills in the blank yeah. in that title of the record just so perfectly. I think that really sort of yeah, sums it's a very up. well thought out campaign throughout the whole of the record process. Yeah, without sounding too industry like the, you know, it's, it was a very well thought out, and it's very. Like I said, it's a very honest record, and I, mm. I, I think a lot of people have picked up on that. And I think that's one of the reasons that this one, it doesn't sound forced, but it still has that huge emotive edge to it. And I think mm. that's why people are connecting to it in such a way. Yeah. Perfect. So you're not as blank as you think, or maybe I should say you're not as alone as you think, <laughs> if that is what is to be believed by Sorority Noise, is my number four album. So number four for me... I went with uh, one of my personal favourite bands of the last 10-15 years and it was kind of a given finding out they were going to release something that it was likely to end up here right, so I, okay. I, I remember leaving a space ready for it but The Dusk in Us by Converge fucking yes <laughs> self-produced by Kurt Ballou one of the hugest guitar tones I've heard this year, this decade it's... just um, I, I treated myself to listen to the first single and listen to nothing else until I could hear the whole record because I just wanted to be that just immersed in it and it's on it's not disappointed on any form I think it's the best they've sounded since maybe Axe to Fall it's wow. one of my favourite Converge records I've heard in a long time mm. like the riffs are so on point the vocal is so commanding it's just it's really a testament to that band after this amount of time to still be releasing things that are not only relevant but pushing the boundaries and pushing themselves and it's still they've still adapted to 2017 like 2017 hasn't adapted to them like say with the new Glassjaw release which is phenomenal but what it's it's another Glassjaw release you know it's, it's not yeah. like Worship and Tribute again Converge they've still like 2017 lends itself to that in a very big way and right I feel like the the influences are clear but not contrived. It's just a really really strong release. I think it's one of it's one of those ones. I mean, uh, all we love we leave behind. I think is a great record. It's it a did record not that... sound like Converge to me. It sounded like like an homage to a lot of the more post hardcore bands coming right. out now. A lot of the kind of Death Wish signings that they had at the time, mm -hmm. which again I I love that record. Did you but, feel it was a bit misguided? Not necessarily misguided, just very 
it just didn't sound like a converter record. It, right. It, it is still a great time. I, I love that record, but when you put it, you know, next to Jane Doe. Yeah, like, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the best extreme metal records of all time. Yeah, when you put it next to that and you know what that band's capable of, and then you go, this is incredible, like the recording techniques and everything like that, and the production on All We Love We Leave Behind. When the moment I first heard those opening notes, I was like, it's a Converge record I'm actually going to have to listen to without it hurting my ears. <laughs> I'm I'm excited for this. Because so, I've always been a huge fan of the riffs and I've always felt like it could have been cleaner. And I know it's not the point of it, mm. but I feel like li- everything sounds like a live recording, which is great. Yeah. Whereas this one sounds like these are live songs, but played in a very controlled environment, mm. but it hasn't lost the energy. And that was one thing I think I was worried about and I think people have been worried about with yeah with Converge releasing new material if it's going to start to sound stagnant and it just hasn't at all they've got better with age I think if this record had come out maybe sooner and I've been able to spend more time with it because Converge records are not easily digestible oh, at no. the end of the day by no means um, I think this would definitely have a shot of being in my top 10 I think this is absolutely fucking incredible this record it's probably the hardest record of the year it's yeah. just opening with a, a single tier and that riff that could have been like somehow it's like the chorus that could have been like an early architects kind of mm. sounding song but then with the actual riff and then like the, the kind of dissonant kind of chords over the yeah. top and it's got that kind of dark horse-esque yeah. uh, lead guitar line that's just bouncing all over the shot and subtly changing on everything Kurt Ballou is just in the, a league of his own the guitar and bass tone on Under Duress being oh, the bass on Under so Duress was just savage thick yeah just so dense and chunky and just I hate to use the word groovy like groovy baby but you know like <laughs> the amount of groove in it and then like a record um, like uh, I Could Tell You About Pain I think yeah. is that the that was the lead signal yeah um, it was that with B- a B-side called Eve which didn't even make the album and it's better than most of the songs I've heard come up from anyone else <laughs> this year so um, one, one record that didn't uh, make my list this year uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that um, is the Wear Your Wounds record now have you have you listened to this I've at all? sat with this a couple of times right it didn't grab my attention the way I hoped okay but again this is very much background listening like a few mates over that have, have been like you need to hear these tra- these tracks I'm I'm waiting till I have a proper afternoon to sit down and really yeah. get to grips with it because on paper again and I know it's not always the case, but this is something that I would be into. So it's uh, mm. I've been biding my time until I can really appreciate. It. I don't want to half-ass listening to a record like that. No, Where Your Wounds is definitely a record that, again, like the Citizen record, but also not like the Citizen record, <laughs> really demands your attention. Uh, it's not background listening at all. I think, yeah, shout out Jacob Bannon for mm. releasing not one but two of his possibly finest ever records and that's someone who has been in this industry for 20 plus years now yes. like nearly 25 years uh, certainly in converge anyway yeah um the fact that he's still giving some of the best vocal performances he's ever given the fact that kurt Ballou is still pushing that envelope out um this is this is the first converge album which has come out since i've liked converge I think this is where the age gap kind of comes yeah. in, you know, not to like pie you for your age, but you know, <laughs> like um, this is the first Converge record that has come out where I have been a fan of Converge and I'm not backtracking. And it was interesting because I spoke to one of my friends who's a similar age to you, and he mm. was saying about how Converge was something he always wanted to get into but never found a way in, mm. and it wasn't until All We Love We Leave Behind come out came out um, 
and he kind of went backwards from there and all of a sudden it made sense and then all of a sudden he would like grow to love these early records so much more but had no idea how to get into them if it wasn't for that working backwards yeah and i think that's a huge part of like those initial releases coming out was such a, a head fuck at the time to everything else you were listening to but at the same time where there wasn't anything else like that you didn't there was no picking and choosing it was you know if you wanted that kind of noisy hardcore record converge or nothing yeah and i stand by that now converge or nothing would be my motto going into 2018 <laughs> <laughs> no one riffs Con- like blue Con- no one records like converge at the end of the day they are like no other many band, many and... have tried to imitate it and many have failed and it's yeah they're just one of those bands that will never be they'll never be recreated how does this rank on your list of like all time like what what's your all time favorite converge record uh, <laughs> it's a bit like the same you I know, would like, probably put it third or fourth to you fail me axe to fall Jane Doe this right I yeah I think this measures up quite nicely yeah. against maybe you fail me for me I mean yeah. I, I think to expect Converge to make something like Jane Doe again would I'm be I'm glad even... that they haven't yeah oh, no exactly yeah. it's basically like asking Dillinger to do Calculating Infinity again yeah. they're not going to do that um, <laughs> but you know more power to them for not doing that right um, so yeah Converge are st- I think in the absence of in, in the soon to be absence of Dillinger yeah are the most influential um, or one of the most influential modern metal bands of all time yes and this Hands down. record just cements that even more I, I fucking love it yeah great so top three top three medal territory <laughs> um, to, to the podium so I thought long and hard about whether I need whether I, I, I should include this record on account of it being so personal to me so personal to us as friends okay. of the band and yeah. as natives of the same scene that they've emerged from I really said like is this just me being too self-indulgent now and like you know including this on the list people are going to be like oh there's a surprise you know <laughs> um and then i was like no i cannot have a go, top go into t- the gig wearing the t-shirt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i cannot go and make a top 10 albums of 2017 list without eternity in your arms by creep yes right near the top um wow <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know i i think it's weird to say this but this is the most emotionally connected i've been to a record since the black parade came out and that was bold bold words words. (laughs) but that is um the record that started it all for me yeah you know mcr the first rock band i ever saw live and i i i feel a little bit sort of hesitant to draw so many comparisons between creeper and mcr but um this this is this is them coming full circle yes they've, um, they've really come into their own for this one those EPs that they were doing I mean let's, if we start off by saying about that first EP that they brought out it's yeah. just a free release and to see them bring that to headlining something to Guildhall tonight is yes. an insane few years but a very deserved few years like Absolutely. the songwriting that's gone into these songs is 
I've not heard like there's not a bad song on there. There really isn't. And with the addition of Hannah playing keys now, just honestly a force that is unstoppable in my eyes. I don't I can't see him doing anything but getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So if you hadn't already guessed at this point, we're recording on the <laughs> night that Creeper played the biggest music venue in Southampton besides the Aegeus Bowl. Um the Southampton Guild Hall and I feel like tonight is going to be historic. It's a it's a night that's very much turned Southampton on its head from bat like you say, friends of ours friends of everyone's in Southampton at this point because they've been around for so long playing in so many different bands and <laughs> been supported by so many people for so so much time to then see someone it feels like the local kids have very much taken over. Yeah. And it's it's a very good feeling. It's a very proud moment for Southampton. It's it's wonderful, and I was kind of left wondering what more can they do after the EPs? Because you had that wonderful trio yeah. of EPs, and I was looking back through some old notes of mine, um, saying that um, you know with the debut EP they became one of the most exciting new bands, yes. and then with the Callous Heart they became one of the most intriguing new bands, and then with the Stranger. Uh, they became, and particularly with that, with the golden moment on that EP, which is Misery, yeah. um, they became one of the most important new bands, not yeah. in the UK, not in Europe, in the world. Um, and I realise I'm probably using up all my sort of hyperbole points, <laughs> you know, uh, but most bands would barely dream to be as daring as Creeper and, I think that's and their debut album the risk that has paid off for a band like this to go so in depth and to really push the boundaries on it yeah. it's everything about that record is like <laughs> I, I, I could sit here and talk for 20 minutes about the bass tone and how much that, <laughs> yeah. how much that meant to me <laughs> like, well, that's really when great. I first heard that it was just like oh my god like every and to know and I know that this is a very lo a local pride kind of thing. So yeah. it's local guys recording in a local studio. And tonight they're going to play, you know, last month they played all of our home venue, the joiners, as yeah. like a benefit thing. Tonight, a headline in the biggest venue we have in Southampton, other than the AJS Bowl, but who does that? Yeah, you know? Brian Adams. Yeah. <laughs> Little mix. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, can you imagine seeing Creeper at the AJS Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's like you say, it's very much come full circle when a local band is finally on top and mm. it's not just here. That's the important thing about that is and I think that's what's most important to remember is tonight that it's it's Southampton, but this has been the last the last this is the last night of their tour. This is the, the last, last week has been night. sold out big, big venues around the country. Yeah. Before they're off again to the US, I think again. With neck year. deep next yep. year, um, just unbelievable. And that that following's only going to get bigger. It's it's only going to become a more and more intriguing show that they have to yeah. put on. And yeah, and it's not. Just I'm excited to see where they go with it. Because it's not just the music and the show and the production and the band anymore. It's, uh, you know, the narrative. Yeah, they brought out a book. Uh, you know, it's it's a movie project as much as it is a band. Yeah. And um, you know, if I could go to back to the album, what they've done on this record, which is unlike anything they've done on the EPs. You know, you've got Black Rain with guitars that sound like they should be like on City of Evil by Ben Sevenfold, <laughs> right? Um, you've got Down Below with that massive sing along at the end of yeah. it. 
you've got Winona Forever, which is just like a pure pop song, and mm. I cannot wait to. There was no. I, I, no I really hope they play it live tonight. <laughs> um, crickets. Yeah, that was a moment for me that really stood out on that record. Of a, I think that would have been a tough one to decide if that was going on the record, and yeah. it's a bold move that paid off tenfold if you, it's if you, one if of the you, biggest most heartfelt moments on that record i think and and, that's and in, why music, I truly in music think, for 2017 i would yeah. argue altogether because if you if you haven't heard the record yet number one why um <laughs> number two uh crickets is comes like a little over halfway through the record yeah it is a sort of country influenced acoustic song hmm. with hannah their keyboardist on lead vocals that is bold as yeah. fuck for a Southampton <laughs> punk band. Um, I, I'm going to shut up because I could be here talking all night about this about this record and where Creeper have gone this year. Um, but with tonight and going to see them, it's really, you know, as a music journalist, I think, you know working in that industry means that you can sometimes run the risk of not getting excited yeah. about going to gigs anymore because it almost becomes routine and i still love to get enthusiastic over gigs and you know run my sleeves up and get in the pit and uh be as we discovered this year my self uh, <laughs> self-inflicted nickname sergeant spin kick uh, during an employed surf set with milk tea um <laughs> i still like to get involved but i've been actively avoiding social media this week um mm. because i don't want the theater of fear tour to be spoiled for me i don't want to see what the stage looks like i don't want to see what songs they're playing which is something i usually do i usually look up set lists mm. before going to see bands um, it's almost like going to see a film or a theatre show that you've been waiting for months. Yeah, to you see. don't it's want like, the spoilers. It's, and it's, yeah, it's like I have that from a from a local band and people that we know and people. I, I it's difficult to say it objectively, knowing the guys personally. Mm, yeah, but I think it's a, a universal excitement from everyone. Like no one knows what they're going to do next, and I think that's one of the things that's always set them apart. It's not just a band; it's so much more than that. Yeah, and they're not just you see a lot of bands that have tried to do this kind of thing in the past and they've you know the songs are there or like the narrative's there but something else is lacking mm. everything is really on form with this yeah. band and they're only going to get bigger so creeper eternity in your arms there is no way that couldn't have been in my list at the end of the day no of course um, <laughs> so your number who takes the bronze medal for you this was a tough one my top three are kind of very interchanging depending on the week depending on the day right okay. but, um Number three, I'll give him Phoebe Bridges, Stranger in the Alps. So you know I was saying earlier about that yes, Julian Baker yeah. record, how I've gravitated more towards... It's difficult with both those albums coming out in a year in such a short succession of time because the moment I felt like one of them was there, the other one then came out and was just like, wow. The, it's I found it very difficult to separate the two because they're both very bleak, kind of uh, minimalism kind of pieces. If you look at the pieces, the entire album goes. Yeah. But there are a lot of differences and that's why I do think it warrants having both of them in there on the basis of the Fever Bridges is very much almost on that Ryan Adams kind of level of just this is very basic songwriting and he There's, appears on the record as well he had a hand in recording Smoke Signals her With first sig um, the one on the album is Conor Oberst from Bright Eyes sorry my mistake and this is how I found out about it. me and my other half were on holiday in Denmark at the beginning of this year we went to go see Conor Oberst uh, had no idea about the supports and it was Phoebe Bridges 
Wow. And I just sat there just like, man, I thought like if Bright Eyes was going to make you cry, like, <laughs> and this was on beforehand, <laughs> I was still like, oh my God, like this is, it's one of the most serenely beautiful singers I've heard in forever kind yeah. of thing. It's, there's nothing to compare it to that does it justice. It's so soft and delicate, but at the same time, there's so much power behind the voice when it really lets loose and it's the lyrical content is unbelievably strong and i read what you were saying about the ryan adams thing i read um he saw her on a whim supporting someone in america uh approached her after the gig and said i want to record that song tomorrow and that's how they did the sing the single for smoke signals it yeah. wasn't a paid thing it was just right place right time was picked up recorded at pakistan and yeah it's well, phenomenal. it's just one of those stories and it sounds unbelievable and then and this is the thing about about Phoebe as well that I I found out was this record is phenomenal. Live is another story. It's on another level entirely. Mm. Uh, these are very personal songs being played in a very intimate way, and that's why I say it trumps Julian Baker for me. Julian kind of went with uh, I don't want to say obvious, but there are some chord changes in there. There's some moments where after listening to a few songs, you kind of know where it's going. Yeah, whereas with, this, with this, this Phoebe Bridges record, it's it is very linear and it is like the instrumentation is very sparse. But the, again, it's it, every every song, every lyric leaves mm -hmm. you waiting for that following retort. And I think that was a very important move on that was to very it's very lyrical focused. Yeah, but it doesn't take away from the melody of either the guitar or the vocal line. Right, and then it, those those extra added like the keys and the violin. Oh, mm. it's yeah. Almost instrumentation-wise, reminded me of um, the uh, Bon Iver, Bon Iver, going back to that record. Mm. Um, you know, the sort of slower moments of that yeah. record, you know, uh, Holocene and Michigan and... Uh, it's like know, a lo-fi version of that. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, that. It's, it's less grandiose. Yes. Um, you know, it's a lot... It's a very understated record for what it is. Yeah. Again, it's one of those ones where not playing was key. And I think there's so much more you could have done with those songs that would have ended up taking away from really beautiful songwriting. Mm. And I think that's what speaks volumes about this, is these are the best written songs of this year. Yeah, um, I I absolutely adore this record. I'd, I'd not heard Phoebe Bridges before before you sent me your list again. Um, it's been a real journey mm. of discovery with your list, so fair, <laughs> fair fucks to you. Um, no, bit um, of dad rock, bit of sadness. Yeah, lovely. No, I, I'm absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> but Phoebe Bridges, Stranger in the Alps is yes. the name of the record. And uh, it's worth worth all of your time. Absolutely beautiful stuff. Um in what could not be a more different record. <laughs> uh my number two. Now in nineteen ninety-nine, um We got backstory, this is <laughs> it. I feel like I should be smoking a pipe. Um <laughs> In 1999, no. Were you born in 1999? <laughs> born in 1994. Is this a, is this a conception story? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> right. Um, 1999, Roadrunner Records released the self-titled uh, second album from Slipknot. Okay. And it instantly became the best heavy metal album of the 90s. Heavy metal, heavy album of the 90s. Okay, I think I know where this is going. In 2007, <laughs> Roadrunner Records released The Blackening by Machine Head. And it became the best heavy record of the noughties. Maybe with the exception of Jane Doe, but I digress. <laughs> 2017, Roadrunner Records have released 
the best heavy record of the decade. Code fucking orange. <laughs> I don't think... It's weird to say I don't think it, anyone expected this record because... The one thing that caught me the most by surprise on this, Will Yip again. Yes. Like, I'd, I'd the guy's that. turned his hand to just every genre this year and smashed it. Um, I find it weird that this is a guy that's produced albums by Turnover and Citizen this year. Yeah, did the and Circus then, Survivor record. And then I, I thought it was Kurt Ballou that produced it for some reason, but Kurt Ballou did... I'm King, is it? Or have they not worked so. with Kurt Ballou? I'm yet? not sure. It, it, right. it would make sense for them to work with Kurt Ballou yeah. because everyone that plays with distortion should work with Kurt Ballou. <laughs> I yeah, <laughs> Will Yip obviously um, yes. working on this record. I, I, I think it's unfair to say that I don't think anyone expected this because we actually um, alluded to it on the last Lambs of the Year podcast. Uh, where we where forever the title track from this record had had already come out yeah. and we were really fucking excited for it. It's um, it's an album of the most insane turns. The structures that you ca- you couldn't sitting there with a pen and paper, you still wouldn't follow these structures, and no. it's in no way a bad thing. Do you Normally, know how I, difficult- I find I find those records very very uh, trying, yeah. but this one was one that I enjoyed from front to back. Uh, it's one that I've I left out of mine. The same with the creeper one, knowing that it would have been in yours. So we have more <laughs> to talk about because they're both albums of just exceptional quality. Um, that Code Orange record is honest. It's rewritten the the book on how to be a heavy band it's, and how much it doesn't limit you to being a heavy band. Yeah. Those those exterior influences, the the Alt J collaboration. Yeah. Like it's yeah. They're just a band of just constant surprises in a genre that has lacked exactly that for 20 years it's uh, it's not just rewritten the book it's rewritten <laughs> the book ripped out the spine from the book it's turned the book into a web page scattered, <laughs> scattered the pages across a field and then set fire to it yeah it's brutal it's relentless it's intimidating but at the same time it is intelligent it throws loads of curveballs it's cutting edge um i i don't know the last time uh, i i electronics and sampling like no other band has done before i, I played them to a, a friend of mine recently and i said curveball i was trying to explain to them like there's a friend of mine i studied with at university we both did music and they're asking them for music that i would have picked up on that they probably wouldn't have and they're, right. they're not necessarily from an alternative background and i played them a bit of this well, I was trying to explain, but like in some weird curveball of 2017, industrial metal has become cool again, and it's been championed by this band. It's like, it's in like, imagine if Ramstein weren't the cheesiest thing you've ever heard, and all of the cool elements of that were like blended into a band that didn't suck. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like, oh, why, why you got why you got a rap on Ramstein as well? I'm not that, but it is like they're a gimmick band. And they, okay. they always have been. They're a great fun band, an incredible live band, but their music relies heavily on the gimmick. Mm. Whereas, and it, that I think that cheapened industrial metal for a long time because it's right. difficult. And I know it's a really cheap comparison to just go industrial metal, it's like Ramstein. It, it's nothing like Ramstein, but no. those ideas and some of the instrumentation is there. And it goes to show how much you can do with that and how much that is something that can be utilized mm. if going back to like the 
influence you can kind of hear there of like early like Marilyn Manson kind of on this record as yeah. well like in a huge oh, way in sort of the, uh, in the most menacing of ways yes um, yeah. I you know like I was saying earlier with the use of electronics on songs like The Mud and mm. Kill the Creator and you know even how like they can just cut songs at the the way the album ends on that uh, is it Dream 2 which mm. is sort of ethereal I don't want to use the word shoegaze it's kind of eerie um, almost like dark wave kind of stuff yeah. uh, with Reba's vocals on it as well Reba, Reba Mayers is absolute star as a result of this record um, more so for the song that I'll mention in a minute but the fact that the album just ends all of a sudden it's like yeah we're just going to end the record there and fuck you if you uh, if you don't like it yeah um, it very much feels like unfinished business and I feel like that was a very intentional point yeah uh, it feels like that record doesn't end it was just done with you <laughs> like and that is it's one of the most bold statements we've, of we've 2017 punched you in the face perpetually for yeah and minutes. you've done nothing about it now, we're yeah, done now we're just going to give you a final sort of we're just going to stand over you for yeah. another three minutes and then just we're going to be gone we'll be back in six we're... months time doing all J songs fuck like, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the sort of defining moment of that for me uh, was actually halfway through the album where I had to check that my phone had not been gone on to shuffle because I did not expect them to come out with a song like Bleeding in the Blur yeah, that was um, a curveball again in the, the complete opposite direction I expected them to go even heavier and they just all of a sudden went no we, we can write these kind of post grunge yeah. epics um, and that yeah. and that's the song where uh, where it becomes less about I think before this record I think a lot of the focus was on Jamie uh, yeah. th their drummer and lead vocalist whereas with this you know Shade their guitarist is obviously using electronics a lot more now yeah um, you know Joe their bassist is just still the most terrifying guy of all time fucking hell apparently he's like <laughs> super nice but oh, I've, yeah. I've not met him I've, I've only met Jamie and James. just from watching them live yeah. I was like oh, that but guy scares me like no one else Reaper does not give a fuck about what anyone thinks of her and as a result she's one of my favourite stars of this mm. one of my favourite musicians of this year um, and as a result one of my favourite musicians of this decade because mm. like I said this is the best heavy record produced in the would you call it the tens or the teens what would you call it? I don't, I don't know what to call right, this yeah. this is this, this longer than I thought I'd get <laughs> like, might as well just end it like if, if I was to be absolutely honest with you this is less a number two and more tied for number one Obviously, mm. I would yet to get onto my number one album, but this is a game changer, mm. and I hope it finally ends the divide. You know, them playing on uh, the the WWE NXT pay per views, and they're yes. bleeding in the blur. And you know, I watched sort of some crowd videos because I'm not on the WWE network, so I couldn't watch it. And um, just seeing like a, a crowd <laughs> video of them just not necessarily you know toning it down for tv just being code orange yeah. and i don't i you know just crack on i you know it was one of those where like, where, uh, where, where would i like to see them go on the next record just just being code orange just you know just be that and have you listened to their old kind of side project they had called adventures briefly yeah that again if you want another like uh another curveball thrown at you is just the beast that is code orange and how far they can go mm. with it, it's the most interesting listen as to how they perceive other genres as well and it's just they're just unbelievable musicians 
and such in the vision they have and the intent that they have to make this music is you don't see it anywhere else mm. but yeah i was i was very aware when we all put our lists in that everyone had that but me as i was like i'm gonna purposely not put that one in there but yeah that was a huge highlight of yeah of this year for me i'm speechless yeah. do you know how hard it is to write notes on this record it's impossible yeah. that's one of the other reasons <laughs> that i chose not to because it was just i didn't know what you could say about that record yeah. that the record doesn't say for itself it doesn't need words you just need to hear it and it's it's like it's like the only way I can say it is that ending that you you're done with that record when it's done with you. Yeah. Like at no point is that your choice to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> like that, from song one onwards, it, you can't turn it off. There's no the structure just goes wherever it wants, wherever mm. they want it to go, and it has no regard for what you wanted to listen to, and somehow it just keeps you there. It's yeah. just yeah. So if you notice the uh, slightly <laughs> abrupt cut uh, between at uh, well, the end of us talking about how fucking great Code Orange are, uh, it's because we actually ran over time and we had to stop recording. Otherwise, we were going to miss uh, Creeper at Southampton Guildhall. So it's the following day. We are back. We De- are definitely not hungover. <laughs> definitely not. Just tired. Just tired. And I believe we're at the point now, uh, Dan, where we talk about your number two album of the year. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I went with uh, Sleep Well Beast by The National. Right, okay, which awesome. is an album that I've been looking forward to for, well, since Trouble Will Find Me came out. Okay. And seeing where they went with that, and I know it wasn't a fan favourite, but I thought that last record was one of their best in terms of its... As- far as accessibility goes as far as songwriting goes on like a radio friendly level mm. which is really interesting to see them adapt their style to that and it's been really great to then see them maintain that level of songwriting and really push the the boat out with instrumentation on this record yeah and yeah it's definitely an album that doesn't just did it didn't disappoint in any way was really really stoked to see that finally finally get out from the from again from that initial the initial single that um I can't quite think of the name at the moment. The system sleeps in total darkness. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and it's got that like recurring guitar riff, which is mm. probably riff of the year. It's just that, that tiny little. <laughs> That's lick. not one of our categories, but riff of the year. Yeah, it's just it's one of the most fun songs. It's it's just textbook national all over. Right. You could you could listen to that album once and assume that you'd heard it. It's always been there. It's if you like the national, you're gonna love it. So it's, but it's still re- enough new new mm. national to offer. Is this a really good entry point for the national? Because I must admit, I'm rather late to the party with the national. I okay. mean, so a few years ago, we used to put part of you. You remember you had these like blogs or newsletters that people would join like and they were charity ones where somewhat like one person runs it and does like an album of the month yeah and sort of shares an album with you in less than legal fashions <laughs> uh, and you sort of just chatted about the album well, i wouldn't this, know about that <laughs> uh, in, in like in within like this forum it, it only i only did it for a few months but one of the albums was high violet um oh, yeah is it High Violet? The, High Violet, yeah. yeah it was a... And so that was the first time I'd actually listened to The National and that seemed like such a, a sort of big album for yeah. them. But I never really picked them up from there. So I think would you with... say this is a really good sort of, if you've never heard The National before, that you can kind of pick them up? I would say yes, yes and no. It's not their most accessible record. Okay. It's definitely easier than some of the earlier stuff. Right. Um, 
I would say they're kind of what I it's similar to how we spoke about Converge with being able to work backwards through the records and then understand where they were coming from like in a nicer kind of way it makes it a bit easier whereas going straight in I remember when I first heard Boxer and Alligator I found it a yeah. little bit like I, I couldn't quite place it I knew that I liked it but I couldn't quite place what they were going for which which makes it a really interesting listen but then being able to listen back to those records in the hindsight of hearing say Trouble Will Find Me uh, Sleep Well Beast High, High Violet mm-hmm. and Boxer especially the phenomenal record you know, right. to like really you know when you can go back to those and then yeah it, it makes it all kind of come full circle you can really hear what they were going for and you can kind of see as the, as the budget grows as well <laughs> how they're then able to accomplish that and it's right. yeah I, I would say that this and Trouble Will Find Me as like a two part is a great entry level to National I, I think the sound's really great mm. um, I think there's brilliant elements of uh, I was trying to think of like if people have never heard the National before and listened to this podcast and were interested in hearing it it's indie rock with kind of a po- post-punk vibe to it would you yeah, say yeah the recording the recording style is very very separate from the genre I mm. it doesn't sound like it, they like chose an easy to work with producer on any of their records <laughs> for the style of music that they're going for but right. it pays off every well with a really unique sound that who, no one who, else who produced this I'm not sure on this one right but it's 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 a really great sounding record and I think the vocal performance really between that the guitars and the percussion I know that kind of sounds like the whole thing but everything has something to offer on this record mm. like the vocal styles where there's there's parts and I've made this comparison before with the singer of the national where it's the lyrical choices and the use of light humor that almost reminds me of an earlier Morrissey right okay but without being a dickhead at the same time yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is always, always <laughs> I was wondering where you were which going is, with um, that it's it's a weird comparison because they don't sound anything alike but it's that very baritone like husky voice yeah and and the lyrics are so playful but they're such deep moments at the same time you can mm. there, there's no the subject matter is always very very intimate it seems but yeah. at the same time there's a way to make light humor out of these out of these songs and i think that's a really a really charming way to write and I, mm. it's something i have a lot of respect for it's not something that many people pull off very well and with that said this isn't a comedy record no this no, is a very no. serious hard-hitting record with just moments of light dark humor mm. I, th- I think you see two very different sides to the national one here because it's got you know the really upbeat songs I really mm. like so uh, Day I Die is, yeah. is a sort of I don't know if that's one of the singles from the album but that's really a standout track for me yes. um, it's got that sort of reverberate guitar um, arena rock kind of vibe I know this probably sounds like quite a weird uh, like comparison but that sort of those guitars almost reminded me of what Kings of Leon were doing around okay, like yeah. only by the night and come around sundown before yeah. they went like real shit um, <laughs> uh, so you've got that element but then like I think this album really sort of uh, shows how beautiful it is towards the end of the record that sort of stretch of three songs I've just loaded it up on Spotify Karen at the liquor store oh, Dark yeah. Side of the Gym and the title track and you, it's dark and it's down tempo, and it couldn't be any more different from like the more upbeat side of this record. I, I think this is great. Yeah, I think this. The other standout moments for me would be a guilty party. Mm-hmm. Is that for me? I remember the first time I was listening to that, and I was just like, I had to just like, I, I had to put it back into that whole track again and just take it in. It's it's a real moment on that album, 
it's and it's an album, another long album full of incredible moments. It's, yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not, again not one of those background records. No, not a, not it, at all. But I think the more you get used to it, the more. I don't know, for, for lack of a better word, and I don't want to keep saying that it's a really charming record, but it is, and there, there's so many levels to the songwriting, the, the lyricism, and every time I've listened to that, that I've found something else about one of the tracks that I've loved that I've never been able to place before and never been able to pick out from the mix. Mm. And I think that's a sign of just a really great record that will stand the test of time. That's not just a record for 2017. That's going to be a record for the next decade. Fantastic. And one thing I you know, I really noticed before we move on, um, again, not being like massively au fait with The National, mm. um, there's that series on YouTube called What's In My Bag that Amoeba mm. Records do over in Hollywood. And about a year or so ago, Modern Baseball went on it. All four members and, and Jake from the band um, uh, picked out Boxer by The National on vinyl. And I noticed something uh, when listening to this record that he said in the video that I was like, oh my God, you can really notice that, is how the drummer uh, barely uses cymbals at any yeah. point. He just uses it's, this is what uh, toms to and like closed hi-hats. It's far more percussive than, yeah, than, the than just straight drums. The rhythm section on this is, yeah. is outstanding. Mm. It's, it's really good to see them. The, just the instrumentation on this record, it's something that they've toyed with before, but I think they reined it in a lot on the last record. And that's mm -hmm. why I would say that Trouble Will Find Me is an easier listen front to back. But this one's got that same songwriting mentality but with those pushed out instrumentation songs yeah. where, I, I, I don't know, there's there's moments that I, I'm struggling to think of an exact moment in mm -hmm. my head or is that, but just listening through the songs and all of a sudden there's so many different textures, there's so many different sounds. This such a vast choice of instruments in, on this record and it's it's really a treat to listen to it, it's an album that doesn't get old it doesn't get boring every song has something to offer and for a long record that really does say something because yeah. it's i don't have the attention span to listen to something a really long record like that if I think it's that not giving me something new every every like five to ten minutes kind of thing and this is an album that really really pushes that i think that's the reason the national re never really clicked with me until now is because at the time that high violet came out and that i heard it uh i was into the more sort of instantaneous music but this yeah, is this is really a band and certainly this record is something that really deserves uh, your time and and multiple listens so that that's your runner-up sleep world beast yeah by the national again uh, is my, my top three have been interchangeable throughout the year I kind of knew upon these releases that they were both that all three of them were going to be there but yeah. it's impossible to choose one of them these top three have just been constant rotations for me <laughs> um, so we have come to uh, my top spot numero uno numero, numero uno the one. gold medalist <laughs> formula un <laughs> mm take a bit of water before getting into this it's, it's nice to see the change from Smirnoff Ice to water you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like that's how it's hit us today I've got, yeah. I've got the lower voice yeah, the, exactly. I feel a little bit huskier yeah like, it's <gasps> it's that I can't believe I spent £8 on a double Gordon's last night oh yeah, what are you I, doing with your life drinking Gordon's as well I just said gin and he said the price and I assumed at least it'll be a nice gin and I just sort of grabbed the Gordon's and I was sick a bit in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> Come on, mate. Uh, why? So I had a real nice blend on, on the palate between the... Uh, <laughs> I was drinking a mixture of Carlsberg and Summersby. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> that what, place what, doesn't do good drinks. What a wonderful building <laughs> and such shitty beverages. Yeah. 
Um, you thought the acoustics were bad. Wait till you go to our bar. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> right, so my number one album. Now, uh, when it came to deciding what my top album was going to be, it really was a case of what have I gone back to listen to the most? What, what have I been absolutely um, obsessed over? And this is an album that I would go to at the very least once a week throughout the yeah. year. And when it came out... Um, and around the time that I saw them live, I was listening to it a hell of a lot more. You were looking at it at least once a day. Um, it's not as as challenging as Code Orange. It's not as grandiose and conceptual as as Creeper. It's not as it, it's not quite as emotive as uh, Sorority Noise or like as massive uh, massively experimental as Arcane Roots, but whatever mood I'm in, whether I'm feeling really happy or I'm really down in the dumps, um, I could stick on After the Party by the Menzingers yeah. and it would just take me to a whole other level of joy. Um, <laughs> if, you know, if you do not do an air guitar to the <laughs> to the opening of this yeah. album with the with the <laughs> Of, of telling lies did you like like what I did that there? was yeah. that was perfect um, <laughs> I'm gonna um, cut that out of here and replace the actual that with the actual song and that's how I want to listen to that from now on <laughs> um, I, 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 I knew from like the second that I heard that I remember walking to work and hearing that for the first time I knew that this was going to be the best album that the men singers have ever made and that is really bold when you consider their last when you consider their back catalogue it's a really yeah so, so my confession with this is that I've, I was a huge Menzingers fan, maybe like a kind of four to five years ago, and right. I, I, I thought at that point, you know, how many more of these albums are they going to put out that I can really get behind? And I kind of slept on it. Yeah. And it wasn't until I saw it creep up in your in your top ten that you said I was like, I should really give this another go. Then, like, I hadn't listened to it at all when it first came out, and mm. that's, I know that's bad, but it was just one of those things where I was like, it's going to be more of the same. But, you know, I, I'm already, I already kind of have my favourite Menzinger songs, like, you know. So what was your favourite album? Uh, well, I, I don't know if this has really overtaken your favourite album, but... Uh, what, <laughs> I, what? I would say this one now. R- like, would you? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. I think, I think the, as an album, I think this one is better than anything else they've put out. It's really them hitting their stride. Mm-hmm. It's really them firing at all cylinders. It, it sounds so slick and easy for what is complex and really thought out like yeah. punk songs and it's just a really great time to to really sit behind that and listen it, yeah I, I, re- I really enjoy this I yeah. still I still think some of my favourite songs will be from some of the earlier albums I think I have to name them but yeah but yeah it's I always felt with that band they were a band that had great singles you know mostly good albums like mostly great albums yeah but I felt that like there was always tracks in there there's there's no tracks on this one that I would skip there, there think, is, there, there's not a tough moment on this it, record yeah exactly and I think that's a, a really telling point for a band into their career writing another album on a genre that you could very easily kind of give up on and just go here's an easy way of writing this record mm. and they've just not taken it yeah and it shows there's a lot of work in this I think uh, I think the reason this makes my number one like I said it's I've listened to it more than any other album this year um, it's the realism and the honesty, which is something that the men singers have always had. Yeah. Uh, but the, you know they're broadening their palette while still sounding as amazing as the men singers do. There's, <laughs> uh, 
Um, there's you know Heartland rock influence, uh, as we were saying with things like Ryan Adams earlier. You listen to songs on this album like uh, House on Fire mm. um, and and Lookers as well, which we heard at the end of last year and got us very excited for yeah. this album because this came out rather early in the year. Um, and on the flip side of that, they haven't toned it down. There's still songs on there like Charlie's Army hmm. and uh, Boy Blue where they're punk as fuck. Yeah. And uh, real highlights. Yeah, they you know they they come from that uh, northeast scene, same scene as Modern Baseball and Sorority hmm. Noise, uh, where it still feels like you could uh, see them play a house show in yeah. that area because they still care so much about that scene. Um, and I think this really made a difference for me when I saw it live in Southampton earlier this year and just seeing them having the absolute time of their lives on stage. And yeah. it, that's really refreshing to see in this day and age. I remember the show and it reminded me of the last time I saw Polar Bear Club and that was maybe um, Clash Battle Era. Mm. And I remember seeing them then thinking, this is a band that have really hit the peak of what they're doing. And that's how I felt seeing the Menzingers this year. Yeah, like, we, you were a, at the Talking a, Head show yeah, with the Flatliners and the yeah. Dirty Nell. You're not going to miss it, are you? It's, no, absolutely not. <laughs> but it's, it's just one of those things with watching them and having seen them a couple of times before and always being like, yeah, this band, this band are really good. Mm. Where do they go from here? Yeah. And, and it's not reinventing the wheel, it's perfecting your craft. Absolutely. And that's what this is. This yeah. is an album of complete hard graft and a lot of work and I don't see many other bands of the genre just trying to do that anymore it's very easy to jump ship and kind of go I'm going to try my hand at a completely different genre which is you know like we spoke earlier about risk taking mm -hmm. it's, it is a great thing to do but sometimes you just want a band to just stick with what they're doing it's like you've got something good here and you're about to hit it and I yeah. think that's what they've finally done and I think you know what, one brilliant thing I don't want to sound like I'm sort of ripping off too much of the uh, of uh, my friends over at the That's Not Metal podcast where I'm <laughs> saying that uh, with punk bands that sing, uh, that change their, uh, what they sing about as they get older. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, with bands like Good Charlotte and mm. uh, particularly The Offspring, you know, those guys aren't spring chickens anymore no. and they're still trying to sing about being young and, That's the thing, and skateboarding like... and being like in their 20s whereas you've got you know bands like the descendants who uh, yeah. are you know are, are shaping uh, their lyrics around uh, their real life experiences as they get older well that's it it's it's the lyrics are that they're real they're about what you know they're about uh -huh. how they live and it's not it's not a cringy like like you say with those good shards and the, that blink 182 record which was honestly too embarrassing to finish Re oh okay i wasn't but as, <laughs> as like um but if you pulled by it, but it, I thought it was good. But you know, I, was, I think it's the best thing that Blink One Eight Two have done for a while, and I think it's the worst thing Matt has ever done. Okay. <laughs> um, but that's 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 another story. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> but but it, it ties in with what you're saying with mm. those lyrical themes and how you can't just keep singing about like fucking like in the middle of that album like great yeah you've got like a 15 second song about wanting to see naked dudes in the pool it's like dude you've got kids and you're in your like you're getting close to 50 now you need to stop this like it's just not yeah you know it's you've somehow been overtaken in maturity by the guy who's preaching about aliens yeah you know exactly. what i mean like just stop yeah <laughs> and um and you know because the men singers aren't getting old they're in their 30s no now, by, by no means old but there but, is there is a level where you need to stop that kind yeah. of and their songs have been fun for a long time, but I don't think they've ever been packed with as much honesty and as much 
I can't think what the real word for it is, but they're they're really true songs. They're very true to themselves. Nothing, yeah. nothing's forced, and I think that would have been an easy thing for them to do. Yeah, and I think you know that that lyrical highlight uh, for me because every song on this album has been my favourite song on yeah. this album at some point. <laughs> at some point, my favourite song was Thick as Thieves, which starts with a riff that sounds like fucking ACDC. It's like <laughs> proper out the Malcolm Young handbook, yeah. rest in peace, um, of you know brilliant rhythm guitar lines. And then there's Lookers, which is just so um, emotive and uh, so invigorating. And then you've got uh, Boy Blue, which is angsty, and uh, Black Mass, which is this sort of quite laid back acoustic song yeah um and then after the party as well the title track uh just absolute heart wrencher of a song but i think my favorite song gun to the head asked me to pick one is house on fire uh with that yeah. lyric uh waiting for your life to start then you die was your heart beating in the first place really just makes you want to grab life by the fucking cojones and just you know <laughs> go for it and i you know seeing that song live a few times this year because this this you know obviously james wasn't able to join us for this podcast but i was really hoping he'd be here to relive the moment that we shared together at 2000 trees festival where they did their acoustic set in the forest and then they did their full band set later on they played house on fire both times Mm. and it was just the most joyous moment i can't remember whether it was that song or to bad catholics that james actually wrestled me to the ground (laughs) (laughs) i'm kind of glad he isn't here this is a small room yeah exactly yeah (laughs) we can't wrestle in here yeah no i think if we'd even like start talking about the men singers together we might have had another bit of a wrestle it's gonna turn Um, into another verbal rko (laughs) (laughs) um i I think that the men singers, um, I still think the best is yet to come from them. And with the Gaslight Anthem being on indefinite hiatus, Brian Fallon's mm. bringing out a new album next year, so I don't think they'll be coming back just yet. Um, I think this should be people's favourite band in the absence of the Gaslight Anthem. Uh, I don't think, I'm kind of sad that this will never get as big as gaslight no but i think I, it I still has its earlier, place i said this earlier about can't swim didn't i yeah. but I, I would kind of take 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 can't swim back and the men's singers should be everyone's favorite band no no disrespect <laughs> to can't swim because we saw them last night and they were and they were great and they're really strong um but yeah no uh, this this band uh should be everyone's favorite band and off the strength of this album well it's my number one album of the year um, I'm absolutely in love with it and I could never tire of listening to it. So my number one album, After the Party by The Men Singers, uh, bring us on home. Dan, what's your uh, what's your number one album? So my well, the one I chose for my number one album is... Uh, I mean, for one, it's amazing that Hooberstank is still writing records. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I Don't went scare me like that. <laughs> Don't. Are they still making records? I don't know. If I they hope are. not. <laughs> I don't think so. I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> so anyway, I've gone with uh, a blackmail to the surface by Manchester Orchestra. Right. Okay. It, it was, this was no surprise to anyone. I was raving about this long before it came out from, from the PR campaign of having to phone up to hear snippets of songs. Wow. And really? it was just everything about the campaign was great. The the first single was uh, the gold, and it was just such a hard hitting but such a minimalist and strange way to open a Manchester Orchestra record like after the maze as well but as an opening single it was a really bold choice and I think you can hear 
the influence in this. Uh, I think the last thing they would have worked on for this was the soundtrack to Swiss Army Man, right, which okay. is a completely a cappella soundtrack, and is you can it? really hear. Yeah, it's um, wow. So it's Andy Hall and uh, Rob McDowell, and they do the soundtrack to that Daniel Radcliffe film, and it's honestly I couldn't recommend that film enough. It just listen to the soundtrack and like the songs they come up with, and the little melodies, the motifs they do. Mm. But you can hear between that and their acoustic version of Cope when they released Hope. Right, and I think the vocal melodies have really stuck around, and they were very strong. And you can tell that it's a very vocal orientated record. Yeah. But with that said, it doesn't detract at all from the guitars, which are some of the most potent guitar lines that I've heard in Manchester Orchestra songs since maybe, well, I mean everything to nothing. I'd say, and that's one of the greatest albums, in my opinion, of all time. It's, right. I could tell that this is like definitely one of your favourite bands of all time. Yeah, they're one of those bands that I remember hearing and it was just the moment I heard it, it just changed everything. I was like, wow, this is the band that I've been wanting to hear for so long mm-hmm. and hearing so many bands get close to it and no one quite pulled it off. And the, the lyricism is beautiful and tragic and it's it, it sums up and perfectly captures every emotion that Andy Hull's writing about and it's yeah it's it's so fragile and delicate but at the same time so strong and it, it's it really is a roller coaster of a record for that and the songs and the way they've pieced them together and the way that they've written them so that they can flow into each other and it's it this album it feels like a victory lap for a band that's been on top form and has honestly never released a bad record okay. and this one i'd probably say is it's got to be one of their joint top records right this is a real highlight in their career seeing them live it really brings those songs to life and makes you realise that these aren't just studio friendly songs these are songs that were meant to be played live and mm. it, they take on a whole other a whole other persona live and it's just done on another level right. like I think will, will uh, we be talking about this later <laughs> not to give away anything but will we be talking about this later in your gig of the year territory Most, more than likely yes right, okay. it, it's very much uh, <laughs> um, every, every time I've seen them in my life and this must be pushing like seven eight times now yeah every time I've gone away just not understanding how any other band could ever touch that and they continue to get better themselves and that's it's as a musician it's it's difficult to watch and try and understand like how are they this good but I'm really glad they are and I'm glad they're still releasing music because I I think that this is the most important album of the year I think that this this band is something that it's it's nice to see them on this record drawing other inspirations rather than their earlier kind of more driven alt-rock kind of sound and this one has more of a in tracks like the Alien, they really pull in that kind of like kid A kind of OK Computer radio oh, head yeah, vibe. Oh yeah, I never really thought about yeah, radio when like, they this record. But, but, when, but, when, but you when you kind that, of hear yeah. like the mixture between the keys and like those chord changes with the finger pick pattern, and mm. like, all I could think of was like, this is Tom York's wet dream. Like this is the <laughs> album that Tom York wanted to write. Yeah, and to have that in a sentence at all, it really sums up this band as to yeah, how oh how God, important and how special I think they are. I um, think this is the band that everyone should be championing into into the future considering how much I've slept on Manchester Orchestra I am blown away by how good this record is yeah. and it makes me ashamed for the fact that I've ever really slept on them because they've been they've been more aggressive than this in the past right because I feel yes. like I've listened to them before and like you said they have a kind of alt rock sound so well, this... they've kind of gone from like a, their opening album being like a kind of indie rock coupled with like pop sensibility mm. but with really crushing lows and like the vocals like delivery is very very emotive then to go on to like do like an alt rock record, then they kind of did like a more stripped back, kind of hinting towards that kind of Radiohead direction, but a, mm-hmm. like in a more minimal sense, with simple math. But at the same time, they unleashed those huge songs with like the baritone guitars, like Virgin and things like that. They're yeah, just completely crushing. They every single album has kept you guessing. They went on from there to do like one of the loudest records I've ever heard in 
in uh, Cope. Okay. And then an, a year later released a completely acoustic version of the same record in wow. Hope. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable to see a band that uh, everything they turn their heads to, everything they put their mind to is just turned mm. out as a 10 out of 10 masterpiece. I don't think this band... Like this is my we'll we'll get onto this later, but seeing them live, they played every song, every song they played. I was I couldn't believe they were playing it. Was like this is this was one of my favorite songs yeah. at some point. They say, but like, this is spanning an entire career, and I still left wishing they played other songs. Like and they must right. have played like twenty twenty three songs. It was a <laughs> real long set, and I was just there, like man, I can't believe they played all these deep cuts. But what about this one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I could happily watch them play every album front to back, and this album is absolutely. It, this is the most listened to album for me I think it's the biggest risk of the year outside of maybe Code Orange and things like that mm. but I think that this one is is a band that once again have reinvented the wheel for themselves not in like a huge way but in those really subtle ways um, I was reading an interview with them where they were saying like every every instinctive idea they had they went with the absolute opposite idea right. because they wanted to make something that was not like them and what it's turned out to be is an album that I don't think they knew they could write but it means it makes it so much more exciting moving into the future as to what they can now do with those ideas and mm. those structures and those yeah it, it's a really exciting time to back a band that have been releasing 10 out of 10 albums for the last 10 years it's, right it's a great time uh, yeah i i can't believe like i said earlier i can't believe i've slept on this band for so long and i'm going to be listening to this record a lot over yeah. the winter especially and is this is this your favorite manchester orchestra album would you say oh, oh, oh that's that's basically like you know saying who's it, it depends it depends on the day it depends on the on the week it depends. right like it's I, at, right now i'd say yes i'd say because it's the most listened to i'm still it's an album that i've been listening to like say at, at least once a day in full since it came out and i'm still excited every time i get to certain parts of that record mm -hmm. the, the intro track the maze is what probably the highlight of my year musically it's just such an introduction to a record and it's not in like a cheesy way but it has that kind of really like minimal lo-fi kind of guitar like behind everything just like really subtle chords and then those huge vocal harmonies that Manchester yeah. Orchestra are known for and they pull it off so well live it's just especially on the gold the vocal harmonies oh, on yeah. the gold are they've just brought out an acoustic version of it and I was listening oh, really? to it just before you arrived and okay. it's it's just fantastic as it would be but Andy. yeah Andy Hull is just the lyricist and as far as vocal delivery goes i don't think anyone's come close to to topping that in the last in the last 10 years i think he's been on top of it for so long and this is really him at his best great so your number one album is uh Huberstank with the greatest hits of Huberstank. <laughs> yeah great sung by no. Andy Hull. <laughs> <laughs> a black mile to the surface by manchester orchestra right that concludes our uh, albums of the year. Shall we? Shall we run through what our what our top ten were, just in case anyone sort of skipped forward, as it were. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, so thing. my number ten was uh, Sea Foam by Kamikaze Girls. Uh, number nine, After Laughter by Paramore. Uh, number eight, The Warmth of a Dying Sun by Employed to Serve. Number seven, Fail You Again by Can't Swim. You just did screw face at me nodding along while I said employed to serve. Yeah, man. Yeah. A, every time I, I... I always forget about the record and every time I hear it, I'm just like, yeah, there's some riffs. Yeah. <laughs> Shred dust. Uh, um, number seven, Fail You Again by Can't Swim. Fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> number six, Always Lose by The Gospel Youth. Number five, Melancholia Hymns by Arcane Roots. 
Number four, you're not as blank as you think you are by sorority noise. Number two, Creeper, eternity in your arms. Number two, Code Orange, forever. That's your number two. Oh, sorry, Code Fucking Orange, forever. (laughs) Um, And my number one album of 2017 is After the Party by the Menzingers. Dan, do you want to take us through your top ten again? Yeah, I'd love to. So, ten albums that Hooverstank released this year that I like the best Stop are... going on about Hooverstank, seriously. <laughs> what are you trying to do to this podcast? <laughs> don't don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. If Hooverstank released the top of the best ten albums this year, you can't blame me. Yeah, alright then, fair enough. So, at number ten for me, I had For Posterity by Dry Jacket. At number nine, Pleasant Trees by Decade. At eight, As You Please by Citizen. At seven, Turn Out the Lights by Julian Baker. Six, Only Death is Real by Stray from the Path. Five, Prisoner by Ryan Adams. At four, The Dusk in Us by Converge. Number three, Stranger in the Alps by Phoebe Bridges. Two, Sleep Well Beast by The National. At number one, A Black Mile to the Surface by Manchester Orchestra. You could do Final Score, you know that. I don't know what that is. That's the the t- uh, God. Like I don't even like football. I know what final score is. It's the it's the show. It's on, football sh- based then. Yeah, yeah. It's the show where they do the the results at the end, like Accrington Stanley two. <laughs> I'd love that job. Yeah. 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 If, if I knew anything about football, that would be my my career yeah. path. If there was if there was a job doing that in esports, that's where I would. I, I struggled to name a football team after saying Accrington Stanley. AFC like, Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> the only team of all time. Horsham FC. AFC Beers FC. It's my team. Plymouth Argyle. Is this what I'm saying to top ten football teams of the year? Oh, unbelievable scenes, Fisher. Right. <laughs> Um, so we've got some more this is this is something we didn't do last year but I wanted to do some bonus categories um, on because it's the end of the year it's nearly Christmas thought I'd give you some cheeky little extras Ooh, um, cheeky so we didn't include EPs in our albums of the year list and I thought okay. like EPs deserve you know as much credit so I want to do a separate category on them we're not going to go as in depth into um, because I realise we've been running for time a fair bit now um, but uh, we will just sort of give a couple of honourable mentions and then sort of one winner, as it were. So, uh, would you like to start with EPs? With EPs, yeah. Sure. Um, give your honourable mentions first, and then and then your your, your overall winner. Cool. Well, honourable mentions for me: uh, Heavy Hearts on a Chain that came out. Yes. I was not. I hadn't heard this band before and this this sounds like a plug because they signed to the same label that we're on and right. that's that's how I found out about them. Mm-hmm. Um, ben from our label sent this over to me straight away. I was like, this is really up your street. But yeah, I'm, I'm a really big fan of that record. I can see that band doing great things. Um, yeah, yeah, Heavy Hearts are definitely one to watch. Really interesting band. Um, I've got everything on the spot now. I can't think of... Uh... I know my EP of the year would have been uh, Wallflower, Where It Fell Apart. Right, fantastic. Which is just, it's a masterclass in songwriting again from a band that you already know are going to be great. It's one of those ones that I went into knowing it was going to be fantastic and then it opens with a 7-8 drum groove and I was like, this, I didn't think it was going to be that fantastic. I know how proud but, Charlie was of that. Oh, well. it's, yeah, it, it's a really, it's, it's a record that everyone in that band should be proud of, including Lou at the Ranch for, for mixing and producing that. It's, just a fantastic 
four track from uh, from front to back and it's yeah i really do think that that list them as the most exciting band going into next year as to what they can do and mm-hmm. with their next release i think they're gonna have a lot more people behind them and uh it's worth mentioning as well the end ep that you actually yes. played me uh when we we're having a little break from recording yesterday <laughs> absolute savagery yeah there's I forget that it's an EP every time, but yeah, uh, the Unforgiving Arms of God is. <laughs> yeah, if, if you like he- heavy into my usual taste, but it, it, it's a real ride. If, it's you, a, if you like that, you should really check out the two EPs that Cursed Earth have put out this yeah. year. Band from Australia, um, just absolutely bludgeoning. If I could think of one word to describe it, um, so my honourable mention—that's your number one EP of the year, yeah. so Wallflower, yeah. where it fell apart. Okay, so my honourable mentions. Uh, I'm going to start with Gunshy, Ooh, uh, yes. which is an out uh, band that are you know quite close to us. They're from the Southampton scene again. Um, I'm going to admit that I wasn't huge on First Transmission. I felt like uh, it was perhaps trying. It, it had a concept. Uh, the band have a sort of concept which I think is really really cool, but I think uh, the EP didn't quite match up with it in terms of its you know sort of I, I don't know if you can necessarily call it space rock um, <laughs> but you know they had that sort of thing going for them uh, visually and I don't think the uh, the EP really matched up to it um, that's just my personal opinion but The Long Dance which is the EP that they put out this year yeah, it's, it's raw fantastic. and it's expansive and it's well thought out um, I really think this is what uh, Josh uh, wanted to do with Milk Teeth if you listen back to Vile Child and, and the EPs as well to the more uh, experimental sides of Milk Teeth this is really I think what he wanted to do with it and he's now got a chance to really uh, expand it's on those great thoughts. to see them no longer limited and that's the good thing about Gunshy is they're a band that are completely unlimited to what they can and cannot like any genre they want to turn themselves to mm. they've they've created a space for themselves in this music scene where they're just accepted for being that band that can do anything kind of thing yeah and i can half see what you mean about first transmission i think it's it's a record that portrays a lot better live and that's nothing against the production of it i just think no i think think that they've always been been a live band band. i think those those songs for me i think are fantastic live but this uh the long dance is definitely one that on both record and live portrays as a really strong piece of work mm. it's yeah fantastic front to back it's, and, and it's recorded live which is again I think it's completely benefited from yeah, that it's, it's it's no small feat no. you know uh, without I don't know so much about the technicalities but I know that recording an e- uh, a body of work live like that is absolutely not a walk in the park no and it's it's a technical record but mm. in not in an overstated way it's not in an in your face technical record mm. but the parts that are there are great uh, having Josh and Will skip between vocals skip between, oh, yeah, skip between yeah. shouting singing the spoken word parts like it's 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 haunting in places, mm. but it's real yeah, deft, it's a, real Deftonesy vibes in places. Yeah, in as places, well. I feel it's, I feel like it's a very cathartic record, and this is a really enjoyable listen. Mm. But yeah, I'm again at, at just another EP. I'm excited to see what they do. I, I really hope this. they I'm, do an album. Now. Yes, yeah. I feel like that's the way that that band needs to go because mm-hmm. they've got such big ideas, and I, again, 
I, I love these songs. I think they're it's a great band, and I I want to see them really push that into a full length because they can really push that concept that yeah. they have and really experiment a lot further on some of the weirder aspects of their tones and mm. the structures of their songs. So I think that that would be a huge huge moment for them. Awesome. So yeah, the long dance by Gunshot. That was one of my honourable mentions, and we went right in on that. Yeah, um, I, I love that. I, was, yeah. I completely forgot about that one. That was what I was trying to grasp out earlier. <laughs> um, my 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 runner up in this is where it fell apart by Wallflower. Yeah, it's just um, fantastic. This is this band are becoming really really promising. I saw them at the start of the year at uh, So Punk Fest just down the road at the Talking Heads. And I realised how immersive a live band they're becoming. And yes. then I saw them again at Download. And uh, I was, you know, um, I was saying this is really good, but they need to put something out now. Because yeah. it's been a while since, uh, like, Summer Days and the two singles. Um, I think the singles and everything they put out before that were great. But this is very much on another level. This yeah. is a band really hitting maturity and really hitting that. Again, every single member of that band... And I think this is very important for a band with three guitars. Mm. You know, every single one of them has its place. And when the, one of the members isn't playing, they still have something else to offer, yeah. whether it be added percussion, whether it be kind of guitar washes and kind of those strange and more like electronic noises. It's just a band that are really interesting to watch and that twice as interesting to listen to. Absolutely. But I and feel like they're, they're a band for many years that I really have enjoyed watching. I know I've already spoken about them, but mm. I've really enjoyed watching that band for a long time and I feel like this is the first time they've had a record that's done them justice. Brilliant. And they used... My, my, like, they are all brilliant musicians, but I think this being the first record that Charlie's played on, yes. on the drums, yeah. Charlie's got to be one of my favourite drummers at the moment. Not necessarily because he's overly showy. Uh, you know it's uh his use of electronics yeah and he is a very technical drummer uh, albeit not sort of doing drum fills all over the place it's quite sort of simple i think he plays, he plays at the same the time it's very complicated and very it, it it sort of drives the band along to achieve some really brilliant things uh atmospherically yeah, with this record i yeah i i cannot yeah i, I would say band, the unsung hero of that band through this would be um, yeah definitely Charlie just mm. like I say the electronic um, parts he puts in the drums and like I say he is a very technical drummer but to play I think half the battle with those kind of things is is overplaying mm -hmm. and this is something that definitely doesn't happen on this record everything is written with the song in mind there's no yeah. there's no showing off but with that said it's still very technical yeah so that, there's that... moments on there that I still don't quite understand no exactly um, my EP of the year though uh, it's only recently come out but it's Go Away by Milk Teeth um, yeah. so they brought out two EPs this year Be Nice uh, and Go Away or as it you know sort of collectively is known as Be Nice or Go Away yeah um, when they were on the podcast, I think they've said this in several interviews. Uh, they say that they wanted to be that they want to be the loudest pop band on the planet, yeah. and this is them making that amazing transition. They've been a band um, for some time that I've always, I've I've caught them so many times, and I feel like this is them really coming into their own. Mm. I feel like with the last record, they kind of had those hints of you know we kind of want to we we can write these huge pop hooks but were kind of being held in a, a more alternative kind of scene into mm. those kind of alternative standards. And this one, as much as it doesn't disregard those alternative standards that they've always had, this one is is not afraid to really unleash those pop hooks. Mm. And I think that's a huge moment for them. And you, then we've seen them off the back of that go and talk Good Charlotte. Yeah. And it's it's a huge moment for them and it's a really great record. Like mm. both, both of the EPs, um, 
owning your okayness from the first time I heard that I was like oh my god this band have finally become the band they've been trying yeah. to be for so long uh, yeah really really excited about that band fantastic and yeah I think the the reason I'm ranking this one I, I'm not done talking about milk teeth outside of this category <laughs> yet but um, the uh, I think the reason this one maybe rates higher than uh, than Be Nice which again is fantastic and uh, you know uh, just phenomenal I think the reason Go Away ranks higher is Attitude mm. and uh, the uh, sharp production and um, a real progressive sense of clarity. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons uh, with Milk Teeth to Green Day at the moment, and I think their next record could really be their sort of dookie moment. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, so my EP of the year is Go Away by Milk Teeth. Uh, Dan, let's take us. Uh, so we we had two categories originally, and we kind of condensed it into one. Um, uh, we were going to do gig of the year and festival performance of the year, but we decided that we were going to include them in one category. Okay. So uh, any sort of runners up first? I I, I picked three from my year. Okay. I picked one festival performance that I thought was just unstoppable, and I'll just go in with that. I was a Converge at Arc Tangent mm. playing in what can only be described as some of the most horrible weather conditions I've I've seen. Uh, it was almost like a storm. So they're in the main tent and you've got the rain coming in sideways to the point that the band are getting soaked playing. Everyone's just watching them in a big pile of mud, yet no one, no one was worried about that whilst they were playing. It was just one of those moments of just like, it's fine because Converge are playing. There's no other way you should watch Converge than in a storm. And <laughs> hearing some of the new songs there, them playing Under Duress in it was just one of those moments that it just made you stop mm. and just be like oh my god I'm so thankful I'm alive at the same time as Kurt Ballou's riffs because <laughs> like, yeah. being able to see that was yeah that was that was my festival performance of the year I'd have to say okay great um, any gigs uh, any runner up gigs yeah um, my other gigs that I would say um, it's going to be sound pretentious because I've, tra I've travelled with it this year but um, as we said earlier, getting to catch um, Manchester Orchestra and Foxing with All Get Out in Austin, wow. Texas okay, yeah. was just an incredible play. It was at Stubbs, which is obviously a historic venue from both South by Southwest and uh, ACL as well. Right. It was incredible to go there and like see a venue. It's got that really cool outdoor stage and then you're just kind of stood there. You feel like you're at a festival, but you're not. And it's just... I've watched so many live streams of like incredible acts playing there so to actually be there was one thing yeah Foxing are just one of my favourite bands they just never fail to deliver a really great set I'd never heard All Get Out before that day right. I've caught them a couple of times since so name I've just, heard around a lot and, yeah and uh, yeah promising stuff yeah really enjoyable they're not cool. a new band by any means okay. but like it's it, they're just very good at what they're doing I really enjoyed watching their band but yeah that was the first time I saw Manchester Orchestra on the new album cycle mm. and it was just flawless it was like a 23 like set <laughs> 23 song set list wow of just nothing nothing but hits no mm. no talking between the songs to try and cram as many songs as we can in for everyone and then ending on the final track from uh, A Black Mile it was just something else I believe it's the silence and that, that, the last that's bold as well uh, when you end on a on an album an album track from a new album because had the album been out for long after, after? not a huge amount of right. time yeah they, they opened with the first three tracks from the album and they closed on the last track from the album that's bold and it's yeah like it, they, those songs fit in there as, as much as any um, other mentions of the year 
I say just as an honourable mention, the Every Time I Die, Comeback Kid, Knock Loose and Higher Power show I in Brighton. I this show um, and I'm kicking myself. I'm not going to go into too much detail because we all know it's it's just the lineup of the year. It's just like, I don't know who booked that, but I want to shave their hand because that's <laughs> getting Comeback Kid and Every Time I Die together is, mm. that to me was a huge win. And then to see Knock Loose and Higher Power on the same bill was great. Brilliant, yeah. Um, outside of that, I'd say my gig of the year, again, was abroad in Copenhagen seeing Conor Ober supported by Phoebe Bridges which we talked which, about earlier yeah it's when I first heard the name Phoebe Bridges and it was just just one of those moments where I was there with my my better half and one of my friends who lives out in Copenhagen and I think all of us just stopped talking and it just it completely silenced the whole room and she's such a quiet performer as well mm. these are really subtle and, and delicate songs being played and it's very easy for that to be ruined or spoiled by people talking in the crowd and things like that but she had everyone just in the palm of her hands it was just one of those moments of i can't believe what i'm seeing right now this this is going to be huge people need to hear this and Mm. i've I've been championing phoebe bridges ever since then i think that's really uh, moving into 2018 that's one of the huge ones to watch awesome um, so my uh, gigs of the year and um, festival performances of the year I want to give a couple of quick shout outs to uh, again the men singers at 2003's both the sets they did um, as well as the excerpts who are my band of the weekend yeah. at 2003's which is the best festival on the planet after going for the first time this year um, Enter Shikari doing their Take to the Skies 10 year celebration at Slam Dunk Festival yeah, dude. and making me remember that songs like Labyrinth and Johnny Sniper still exist <laughs> and uh, the fact that we'll probably never see those songs live again after this 10 year celebration yeah. I think that's probably where they're going to leave a lot of the Take to the Skies um, cycle and rightly so it was an absolute phenomenon of a show um, but going into the sort of top 3 for me uh, number 3 is Milk Teeth at the Joiners uh, in Southampton, that one was definitely up there for me. Just, just that's that lineup was just insane between Wallflower employed to serve Yeah, just again another one where I just need to shake someone's hand for, for putting that together. I know yeah. we spoke about this earlier, but it's just one of those bills that you couldn't miss. There was something for everyone, and I think people went in there not knowing the other bands or not really willing to yeah. to listen to that style of music. And I think a lot of people left with a changed opinion about a lot of those bands. Mm. And it's a, it's a perfect illustration. I realise we've gone on about this a bit now, this gig, uh, throughout the podcast, but it's a perfect illustration of where Milk Tooth are going as a band. Yes. Uh, it was packed, it was sweaty, but it was so much fun, yeah. honestly. Um, number two gig, and I would treasure this one for the as long as I live, because it was the first and last time that I uh, will see the Dillinger Escape Plan at Download Festival. Yes. Um, closing yeah. out the third stage um, on that the was Sunday uh, while Aerosmith were on the main stage. Uh, were you there? I was. I, I missed the first couple of... I was working that day and I was running back because Slayer were playing on the second stage at the same time. I saw a bit of and Slayer I've beforehand. Seen, yeah, and... I've seen Dillinger a couple of times before. Right. I didn't want to miss what was going to be the last time I got to see them. But then I was like, right, they're about to start. And then all of a sudden Slayer started playing like Raining Blood. There's South of Heaven into yeah. Raining Blood. And I was like, well, I'm not, I can't leave whilst they're playing that. And as soon as like the final like kind of rate, like riff ended yeah. in South of Heaven, I just, I ran. It's the fastest I've run all year. Probably <laughs> the fastest I'll ever run again. 
but I managed to get there just after Black Bubblegum, I think. Right, okay. So quite so early let, in the set. Let, let me bring you up to speed. And it was they, very much just, yeah, yeah that set they, was phenomenal. They had these flashes of white light and these low sub-drops. Again, not to rip off the That's Not Metal podcast, but they always say, like, the it was so low end they were going to need to wear a nappy because they were worried they were going <laughs> to shit themselves from it and you know I can definitely agree with them on that one um, and then it, before the band were even on stage it was an intense show yeah. um, and just hearing Greg say fuck it and the first time you see Greg Pachato as the lights go up he's right in the middle of the crowd as they come on with Prancer oh, and what an opening yeah. song that is uh, and from there it was just non-stop intensity you got Greg and Ben going nuts as, as, as I've heard they always do through watching like videos online um, and I've been informed that they don't usually uh, conform to the whole greatest hits kind of set whenever they do festivals but this no I think this was very final, much a celebration of that band in whole and things like them closing out with things like uh, 43% Sunshine the Werewolf and, and 43% Burn on songs that you just don't think you're going to hear from a Dillinger show anymore but just oh my god it was just one of those moments of I, I was uh, fortunate enough where, where I'm old I couldn't really stand in the crowd to watch that <laughs> So I was fortunate enough to watch that side stage. Oh, I'm, you I'm, side stage wanker. I know, I'm a piece of shit, but, <laughs> but I'm old. I don't like to stand up. <clears throat> I just We've already spoken about how I sat down for the Creeper gig last night. <laughs> you know, I, when I sat but down in my is... living room last night, my back was just like, oh, you, why would you do that to me and stand up for five hours? I'm 23 years old. I shouldn't be feeling like that. Oh, that's it. I, I struggled to stand up for a four-band bill, and this was the last band playing at Download. So for me, I was... Uh, yeah. Uh, well, so, yeah. Well, so I went for... to watch a bit of Aerosmith afterwards, just for good measure. But um, <laughs> I remember particularly during the end of 43% burn, my jaw was on the floor because it was yeah. like I was watching the apocalypse. It was between th- moments like that, other standout moments uh, would have been uh, One of Us is the Killer. That that was a song for me that came out and just intrigued me so much in the way that was written and getting to see that live and mm. still not understanding what on earth was going on and I think that was what I was getting at to, it wasn't just a side stage brag but it was very much yeah. a, everyone that I was stood with was there to see that kind of thing and yeah. they, no one said a word everyone was there just jaws to the floor yeah. like what did we do to deserve Dillinger Escape Plan because it's (laughs) yeah and uh, uh, bowing out gracefully I would say yeah Yeah. Um, I think now the number one gig was a difficult one for me because obviously I put this list together before last night Mm. Um, so and, I wondered if and, this was going to well no I, I was really wondering whether we should include uh, Creeper playing Southampton Guildhall last night on this list Okay. seeing as I've kind of set it up and we were talking about it last night obviously the gig has now been and gone but let's just kind of you know brush over that um, I, I've seen Creeper how many times this year like five six times I saw them uh, headline the Electric Ballroom in Camden which to a sold out crowd which was incredible and I saw them on the main stage at Download um, which was just like testament how great the British rock scene is at the moment to get a band like that on the main stage and so young still. It's a very very proud moment for a lot of people. Yeah exactly and also you know getting my second chance to go and see them at the Southampton Joiners because I'd missed every Creeper Joiners show uh, up until that point and I never thought I was going to be able to get that chance to see him again. And then they did that Midnight Kids uh, Joiners Benefit show, yes. which was brilliant. Um, but for me, 
the the best the best gig by the best live band to exist at the moment uh, for me was when they uh, headlined the 1865 in okay. Southampton because it was a real emotional experience. It was the last date of the tour yeah. and it was a, a proud homecoming for yeah. Creeper. Um, it was on the day that they had found out that Eternity in Your Arms had uh, made its way into the top 10 albums chart, something like number 16 or 17 on the albums chart, which I don't think anyone could have seen coming. Um, it was a real cause for celebration and a cause for reflection, uh, I think, because that was the first place I ever saw Creeper was supporting Funeral for a Friend <laughs> at the 1865 yeah. in Southampton and seeing them bring that production, you know, the purple crosses and yeah. the uh, just the whole mystique and the bombast of it all um, <laughs> just uh, coming to fruition in what I can only describe as... Um, a tearjerker of a gig. I I cried like a baby during misery. <laughs> this doesn't sound like you, Danny. I know, right? I'm a <laughs> cold-hearted bastard, but um, it just the the rest of the band as well. The, when when I I, I there, there's a tradition now where I go and see Creeper with my dad. Mm. Um, so I took him to see him at the London Underworld, and he really liked it. Um, and then uh, the only criticism he had was. Uh, Will and Ian are really great but it doesn't feel like the rest of the band have caught up with them yet in terms of the show hmm. um, and then the night before the 1865 gig we saw him at the electric ballroom and he was like yeah that that's what I want to see now all the band members are, yeah. are bringing something it's a to full the show, show. These absolutely days. and um, and this gig basically just tied up the wonderful proposition that is Creeper in a big purple bow um, and something we talked about before recording I realised that between uh, what one of their first shows at Takedown Festival and yeah. their main stage set at Download you hadn't seen no, Creeper at I, that point so. I've been away for every time they played Southampton Between so I missed their first show um, I was working for the University of Southampton when they pulled through Takedown so I was working there and I was fortunate enough to catch them there and it was watching them play to about 50 mates kind of thing Yeah, which was a really like touching thing to see but obviously they, they weren't kind of what they are now at that point I yeah. think um, it was a really fun show to watch I think they were packed in there between Moose Blood who they were touring with at the time Ugh. Decade and Milk Teeth yeah. and it was just like a, a bands in a row of just like these up and coming bands because they were mm. all kind of you know Decade hadn't put out pleasantries yet. Um, they were still touring that good luck cycle. Creep was still doing like the first two EPs, maybe. Mm -hmm. No, no, it was only the first EP was no, out at that it point. Was, yeah. yeah, it was only the self-titled. Yeah, they played a new song and that was it. And then I, I'd been away every time since then that they'd play, they played locally, and I just kept saying, "I'll see them soon. I'll see them soon." And kind of in my head, like I knew that they were doing well, and I kept hearing them on the radio. But I was just like, "Oh, yeah, this is really cool that they're getting that." was not ready for then seeing them at download on the main stage which one of those things was like i'll finally get a chance to check them out oh they're on the main stage oh shit shit that <laughs> was, yeah that was very much uh, one of those moments of oh my god i can't believe this <laughs> yeah but yeah um it was a very overwhelming moment that was one of my uh personal favorites mm. of uh of the year if i could say anything about that not just because of the set just because of the the personal touch of uh from playing shows with Ian uh, <laughs> years and years ago yeah. with our old bands, you know, playing these tiny venues, knowing being there, to seeing him 
you know, with his bleached out hair and his black, black lipstick, lipstick. <laughs> just being this absolute rock star on a download main stage. I was like, it was just an incredibly proud moment for um, what could not be a nicer group of people. Yeah, absolutely captivating and um, and we love you creeper I think is all I could say now we've got three more categories to get through and I, I think we should probably try and whiz through these in maybe the next 15 minutes or so yeah, um, sure. so um, uh, label of the year this is this is a very quick I, mean, I hate to sound too industry but I feel like we should really shout out some of the great record labels that have been working out there this year um, wanted to give a quick shout out to Failure by Design Records. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not the first we've heard of them on this podcast. Not just within this episode. That but gets me bitches. out of my contractual it's, binds to mention yeah. them. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it feels like a sort of an extended part of the bitch and brew family, as it were. Mm. Um, it's been an outstanding year of growth for them, and uh, so much so that they're one of the biggest names in the UK underground this year. They put out great releases from uh, Lightcliff and Acid Tongue, Heavy Hearts, as we were talking about earlier. Uh, great singles from Weather State and I Told You I'd Eat You. Um, there was some EP by a band called Guillotine this year. I wasn't I too. Would, I wouldn't too, bother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it goes to show how well uh, a lot of passion and a little bit of elbow grease really pays off. Yeah, definitely. They've been at it for years, and it's really this year in particular has really come into. Mm. They've really come into their element, and it's again. I don't want to keep saying I'm really proud of them. But it's it's lovely to be able to work with them as well as knowing them as friends. Yeah. And it's, you know, you're, you're proud of them and stoked because we get to do more because of them doing so well. And yeah. yeah. And I think really it's worth great saying, guys. It's obviously, they're them partnering up with Easy Life. Huge. That's um, a huge moment It's going to be a huge thing. And I hope that uh, other sort of uh, big companies see what uh, Easy Life and FBD are doing together and, and put more faith into into smaller labels because there are definitely. some really great ones out there. Uh, my runner-up in this is Holy Raw Records. Yeah, definitely. Um, they are becoming a real sort of seal of quality now for heavy music obviously we talked about the employed to serve record earlier yeah. uh, but they've also put out great records from ohms uh, the full very nearly made it into my list and uh wren as well they put out a great ep and pine as well um i have a feeling that we've gone for the same free labels here have, have we okay can, well, I, can, let, I, can I take a guess at one um in a minute okay it, it takes a lot <laughs> Holy Raw, like a label like Holy Raw Records, they have a really solid identity. And yeah. For them to be like specialising in dark and heavy, and using this word again, challenging music. Yeah. Um, they're now getting to the level where they have the same sort of, um, I suppose, prestige as something like Relapse Records or Deathwish. Mm. Um, I'm really, I'm already excited for some of the releases they're putting out in 2018, and I'm sure we'll probably be talking about them next year. Yeah, um, definitely. My number one record. Can you? Are you going to put a guess in? Big Scary Monsters. My number yeah. one label is Big Scary Monsters. It's the, the exact same three three labels that I would have put <laughs> really? together. Really fantastic. Um, I think they've just had the most outrageously strong year, putting out things like uh, they had obviously Sorority Noise, Kamikaze Girls, the Jamie Lenman release. <laughs> They're just <laughs> getting single <laughs> mothers out. <laughs> it's just. Uh, the strongest I swear they just went through a phase of just signing everyone is but, that band good yes we'll, we'll take yeah, it I don't, know, I don't know where it came from because they've always been there as a really prominent label but to see them just go you know what we're doing it this year and it really felt like they've just gone full throttle into into 2017 I think that's been the best label this year it's a label of experience as well they've been around for what they had their 10th anniversary last year mm. um, but you know they still have an ear to the ground yeah. and and a real passion for so many genres it's impossible to pin it down what so BSM much, yeah. do they just do good music and it's kind of getting to that point now where they have that 
almost sub-pop quality of brand recognition without going to industry here mm. um you know it's again it's one of those labels which is like a real stamp of quality if it's out on bsm then it's probably amazing i've listened to a lot of new bands uh just from the the seal of approval of BSM mm. going, they've not put out anything bad in a while, I'll listen to this based on that. And I think that's how I first found Cassell's. Yeah. I think they were a BSM release. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's nice to see that we're both in agreement on those three yeah. UK-based labels that are really smashing it on yeah. both a, a, an independent and an underground kind of mm. ethic for all of it. It's, Absolutely. Yeah, and what, like, very proud of those labels. Four, four of my top 15 have been BSM releases. Mm. Say no more. <laughs> um, right, so song of the year. Uh, well, there was only going to be one for this for me, and it's um, "Man's Not Hot" by Big Shack. Unbelievable! <laughs> that came on in the radio while I, I was driving. I can't here. believe you've done this to me. <laughs> no, I'm taking. The I'm, piss I'm kidding. It was me, yeah. Mustang. Um, <laughs> imagine what would happen if we get Big Shank and Huber Stank on the show this in 2018. I'm gonna say big the same shank, thing. Big Shack, Big Shack, Big Shank could be the Big Shack and Hooperstank collaboration we've all been waiting for. I've been asking for it for as long as I've been alive. Um, I'm actually gonna properly start this by uh, picking something from one of the albums you introduced me to, uh, the song Michael Keaton by Roswell Kid. Yeah. Uh, the last song on uh, the album Precious Art. It's nearly six minutes long. Um, it's anthemic throughout. It's got massive guitars and harmonies. This is the sort of song like I was going to say this about Milk Teeth earlier and I kind of forgot um, do you remember a couple of years ago when Fiddler got real big yeah. and they got like on the main stage at Reading and nothing's kind of happened since which is kind of sad because they're a great band mm. I'd love to see a song like this being played on the main stage at Reading with everyone just got their Oh, yeah. both arms up in the air they're a band that's been writing are... songs that are ready for that kind yeah. of adoration and I mm. think they just need to find their footing in today's music scene yeah. but I think once they have that they're going to be unstoppable they're such a fun band like all of the serious parts are there you can listen to that in whatever mood you're in but it's just when it goes live it's it's a whole other beast yeah and yeah there's um, not numerous songs on that that I could have picked but yeah, absolutely yeah um, we've already talked about Bleeding the Blur by Code Orange so I'll just say that one quickly and House on Fire by the Menzingers as well um, January we'll see the release of the new album from the excerpts which is an album I've heard in its entirety a few times now um, I'm not going to say anything at this point because I don't think it's the right time uh, but if you like uh, their single Feels Like Falling In Love then you are going to love the new excerpts yeah. record I feel like this is the sort of music that should be on the radio, like with bands like Decade, as those bands like Yumi and Six and LTA and Death of Anna just get blander by each album. Bands like Decade and bands like The X. They just get more and more should, exciting. Should be on the radio. And um, they, they actually closed their 2003 set with this song a week after it had been out. They, That's a they, usually, they, they usually close on There Is Only You. Yeah. Um, and the sing-along was massive absolutely it was the biggest sing-along of the weekend and that's just testament to how massive was a record that is fortunate enough to catch them at what at the time i think was their biggest headline show to date in glasgow oh wow yeah they played glasgow we had a day off from our tour and it coincided with getting to see them so we were like well obviously we're going to go down this Fantastic. is great so it's big spring and yeah the excerpts playing in this old church I think it was like a 600 cap, completely sold out. One of the best performances I've seen in a long time. Mm. And it's what we touched on earlier with that 
pop not being a dirty word anymore you mm. know bands can use pop influenced stuff and still give it that alt rock twist it's intelligent pop it's well written pop mm. and at the root of it it's not even that poppy kind of thing like you know yeah. it's it's got all of the sensibilities but still that really cool <laughs> like overdone style of alt rock and you know it's yeah i don't know every every time i see murray coming out looking just the way he does now he's got that short tom petty kind of look with yeah. his hair now it looks like something out of a the John leather Hughes jacket movie. yeah it's just yeah. that band just ooze cool yeah you know what i mean they're brilliant yeah um i think 2018 is definitely going to be a year of the excerpts dominating the radio i hope so because I, they deserve yeah. to be the biggest band in the world and they've worked long and hard enough to be that band um i'd say that's probably tied first with my song of the year which is owning your okayness by milk teeth um, it's not on the Go Away EP it's on the Be Nice EP but it's without a doubt the best song they've ever written um, so much bounce so much yeah. attitude it's so simple and it's so unapologetic for being simple and I think yeah. that's what I love about it it's it's a masterclass in writing those style of songs and it's great that that band have gone down that route like I yeah. said I've been excited to see them try something like that for a long time and I think that it's really paid off for them especially in that song it's just three minutes of brilliance <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know what more I can say about about um, that band. Uh, you, you said you had one song of the year overall. Just yeah, it was. I I've already touched a bit on this, but it was a song that I'd be doing myself an injustice, and I know I'd get called out for the amount I've listened to this and annoyed my housemates. But um, in the middle of it all, by Citizen, right? It's okay, just yeah. one of those moments of hearing a band really just try something. And I I don't th I can't remember the last time I heard a song where I started off so unsure on something with that sample yeah, on a loop and I was just like yeah it's it. it's not a comfortable introduction and by literally by the end of that first listen we're singing along with the sample just going this is incredible this this I I knew at that point that that an album between that and Jet those two songs it was just going to be a great album and. Yeah, in the middle of it all was just one of those moments of hearing it and alongside the video as well which is just a really great great mm. piece of work it's it was just one of those moments for me in the year where i heard something that just really clicked and was just like wow um other mentions it's all going to be things from my list things like the maze the opening track on the manchester orchestra record like yeah beautiful i i can't ever skip that as, as an introduction track it ticks far more boxes than it was ever supposed to yeah um yeah i think i can't think of any others off of my head there's right. um probably the title track prisoner from the brian adams album mm -hmm. i think that's got some really standout moments with those johnny maras guitars again things we've spoken about earlier but yeah citizen really brought it home for me yeah it's a song i've listened to way more than i should have and mm. i still talking about it now i want to listen to it <laughs> <laughs> so we've come to the final category uh, for the Bitch and Brew albums and roundup of 2017 special, uh, Band of the Year. Now, this was a really tricky one for me. Um, not necessarily in terms of picking the one, but picking other, because there have been a lot of great bands this year and picking mm. runners up to, you know, limit it to three. Um, Hello again there, Danny here. Just uh, sorry to interject on this recording for one second, but um, I've actually wanted to make a bit of an amendment. When we recorded this, uh, it was on the day that um, the news emerged that Josh Homme had uh, kicked a photographer uh, in the face during a Queens of the Stone Age show. And um, oddly enough, I picked Queens of the Stone Age as my sort of third place in the Band of the Year category. Since that news has emerged... Um, 
I, I really hope that Queensland Stonehenge can kind of uh, do the right thing after all of this and kind of claw their way back to being awesome again. But it just doesn't feel right at the moment uh, to feature them in the Band of the Year category. I feel like I should give it to someone who is really deserving. So I just want to do a little overdub here to say that my third place in Band of the Year um, is would actually now be employed to serve uh, off the back of the fact that they're um, new album, The Warmth of a Dying Sun, which we mentioned in the first part of this podcast, uh, has just opened so many doors for them. It's been a, an amazing achievement for them and for British heavy music altogether. Uh, obviously, we talked about Holy Raw Records earlier as well and the amazing work they're doing through that label. And, uh, and yeah, I don't know re- what more I can say that I haven't already covered by talking about Holy Raw and um, about the album in the first part of the podcast but I feel like they really deserve it now especially I, I just don't feel comfortable at the moment giving Queens of the Stone Age uh, a sort of even if it is just an honourable mention I don't really feel comfortable doing it so feel like a band that should be that really genuinely deserve it uh, should get that accolade as it were so yeah employed to serve my third place in the band of the year category and now you'll hear me talk about what my second and first place are i i'm just gonna uh, mention this band as my number two uh band of the year it's milk teeth yeah um for all the reasons that i've mentioned earlier <coughs> on in this podcast um and the fact that they will be britain's biggest band one day yeah and the fact that uh all the band are great, but Becky is an absolute superstar and a yeah. role model, and not to place that amount of responsibility on her shoulders, but uh, she is really someone to look up to as one of the great front women in the world. And seeing her on the cover of Kerrang like twice this year is—it's a, a testament to that. It's, yeah. yeah, it's well earned. Um, I I've... think we've both got. Band of the year as a as a match, it's it's Huberstank, isn't it? Oh, I can't believe you you saw me again. <laughs> um, I think yeah, it's just you know, twelve years on, the reason still resonates with a lot of people, and it's <laughs> <laughs> I assume it's twelve years. It feels like a twelve year hole in my life yeah. since anything worth talking about has come out. Um, <laughs> Um, on a serious note I've only put down one for my band of the year and it was just a no brainer for me and that was Code Orange yeah it's just seen a year like after seeing the All J collaboration the release of Forever the the Grammy nomination I saw something the other day which was like a live video of of, uh, Times Times Square Square. and they've got the huge I was like oh my god like that is unheard of and they're showing snippets from that Forever video which is one of the most uncompromising things I've ever seen yeah it's it doesn't pull any punches and that band have been unapologetic throughout their entire campaign as a band uh, it just it really goes to show that if you have that vision you don't compromise mm. it, it's it's so powerful um, and I think that's what we're starting to see here is a band that are only going to grow they're only going to get bigger and they're finally being accepted and it's to be nominated for a Grammy is the fact that un- they're nominated for a Grammy and it's not even surprising um, <laughs> like you know I think a lot of people went holy shit Code Orange are nominated for a Grammy whereas some people went Code Orange are nominated for a Grammy too fucking right they should yeah. be you know obviously um, they're nominated uh, against like I think August Burns Red are in the category um, Meshuggah are, in, uh, are nominated so uh, they're amongst friends you know uh, it's, uh... Ma- Mastodon and I, I think the only band that really threatens to maybe knock them off that that uh, 
I th- I hope Code Orange get that Grammy. I, th- um, I think they will. And it, it's earned. Not what, that the other bands haven't, but it's yeah. just been such a year for that band that I think that that would be a real a real payoff for them at the end. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, seeing them on the NXT pay-per-view and uh, seeing them Grammy-nominated, I know that they will continue to just be Code Orange yeah. and not to be a sort of media-influenced... Uh, band for you know smiling for the cameras or whatever yeah. you're gonna get a joe turning up to the grammy cemetery uh the grammy cemetery Gra- grammy's <laughs> ceremony it might be afterwards yeah yes. <laughs> uh, you're gonna see him turn up to the grammy ceremony wearing his white tank top and you know shade's gonna have his sort of pete steel look that he's got going on at the moment uh and that you know reba's just gonna be there in a t-shirt and no makeup and they're just gonna be code orange and i don't think anything is ever going to shift them from just being themselves and being at their uncompromising best, which has earned them the title of Band of 2017, I uh, think. Yeah, without a doubt. So, there we go. Um, thank you, Daniel, for um, uh, for being a part of the uh, Bitch and Brew Albums of 2017 that's, special. That's all right, mate. Uh, fantastic. And I well, I wish, wasn't a... would wish you a Merry Christmas, but I realise you're a bit of a Scrooge. So <laughs> um, I think that's a perfect place to uh, bring it to an end. So yeah, yeah. Um, congratulations, Code Orange and the Men Singers and Manchester Orchestra and Creeper and all of the bands that we've shouted out this year. And, uh, and to everyone who's listened, thank you very much. And we'll see you in 2018. Yeah, thank you for having me. Cheers. At my house. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go listen to Hooberstank. Yeah, dude. <laughs> all right, so there we are, nearly four hours later. And now you know what our favourite albums of 2017 are. Thank you so much to Dan Fisher. I know I did a little bit of an outro just then, but I just wanted to give an extra thanks to Dan uh, for taking his time, especially over doing two days of recording uh, in his home studio and uh, putting in so much effort in preparation for the podcast as well. Uh, my appreciation for him is undying, and uh, we will definitely be having him back on with the rest of Guillotine, hopefully, in the new year um thank you so much to the bands that have shared out the first part and hopefully we'll be sharing out the second part too and letting people know that they are on the list your places are well deserved as you heard earlier and uh thanks to everyone who has been sharing these episodes out on social media and most importantly to you for just listening even if you just listened and uh and you liked what i heard today uh what you heard on this podcast uh then maybe give it a like on soundcloud or leave a nice positive review on apple Podcasts when you're an independent podcast uh like this one reviews positive reviews on apple podcasts are absolutely vital to the exposure um of things like bitch and brew and hopefully that means we'll be able to get some cracking guests in 2018 uh speaking of which we will be back in january rather early in january actually we're looking to be back on the 5th of january and uh, we've already recorded the episode which is really awesome i had a great chat with mark holly from the band black foxes Uh, about the band's new album, about the uh, last couple of years that they had, which have been uh, really awesome, especially around their debut album, I'm Not Well, which, if you haven't heard yet, um, was definitely one of my favourite debut albums from last year. And we also talk a lot about... um, about his struggles with Crohn's disease and how he's been able to uh, overcome some of those struggles and how he also recently made a documentary with the BBC about being a musician on the road with Crohn's, which was really, really 
great to watch as someone who has family members affected by Crohn's. I think it's an issue which needs to be talked about on a wider scale. So fair play to Mark and to the BBC for putting something like that together. We'll talk more about that in 2018, January 5th. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Acast. The links as ever are in the description. Uh, hit us up on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash b.brewcast. Uh, our Twitter handle is just at bitchinbrewcast. And if you're in a band uh, who are releasing new music in 2018 and are looking for some sort of outlet to premiere your new track or share the news of your new release, then get in touch with me. I'm doing track premieres. Already got a couple in the pipeline. Best way to get in touch is to drop me an email. So b.brewcast at gmail.com. Let's talk, see if I can do something for your band right here on the Bitchin' Brew podcast. That's it from me. So uh, Merry Bitchin' Christmas, and we'll see you in 2018. Cheers, folks.